This is South Florida's only real sports station. WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. A Beasley Podcast yo, yo, yo. show. And WQAM.com. Yo, yo, yo. He went and maimed my friend Punjab. Oh no, I don't feel safe in India. Oh, I'd rather be in New York and drive a cab. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. She's a monkey, he's a monkey, we're all monkeys now. I'm a monkey, you're a monkey, she's a monkey, he's a monkey, we're all monkeys now. Swinging tree to tree, we scream and squawk and shout. No responsibilities, that's what we're all about. I'm a monkey, you're a monkey, she's a monkey, he's a monkey, we're all monkeys now. We don't do anything, we're told because we don't know how. Don't brush our teeth, don't come our hair, we don't even wear clothes. We love to make you queasy with our private parts exposed. I'm a monkey, you're a monkey, she's a monkey, he's a monkey, we're all monkeys now. We're not well-mannered, well-behaved, we just love to drop trowel. We'll do some tricks, we'll make you laugh until we are fed. Then we'll lay down, scratch our butts, and watch you all turn red. Oh, I'm a monkey, you're a monkey, she's a monkey, he's a monkey, we're all monkeys now. We wouldn't want to be a dog, a cat, a horse, or cow. We're smelly, and we like it, and we've heard the things you said. So don't come within 10 feet of us, or we'll whiz on your head. Oh, I'm a monkey, you're a monkey, she's a monkey, he's a monkey, we're all monkeys now. I'm a monkey, you're a monkey, she's a monkey, he's a monkey, we're all monkeys now. Swish it, three, two, three, we scream as fuck, catch out. Now it's possibilities as well. And that's what we're here for, just monkey around for four hours every day. And why the hell not, right? 903 at 560 WQM. Happy Monday to you. I'll tell you, these weekends just go zipping by like uh, there's no tomorrow. The only problem is there is a tomorrow. And it keeps coming. By the way, I got the Marine Dowd article. Thank you. Thanks oh, anyway for wasting my three pages of fax paper. Thanks very much. What are you faxing over here? Man, it just, uh, what is this now? This just, better not uh, be something I already got. Oh, I didn't have this one. The Jack Welch war plan. Didn't have that. Excellent. Anyway, we had a lot of votes on our poll over the weekend. And by the way, how about them dolphins? Oh! I know the Patriots lost too, which, you know, misery loves company. But nevertheless, they played an undefeated team. Didn't I tell you last week that Kansas City was going to kick Miami's ass? Didn't I tell you that? Yes, yes I did. I absolutely did. Yes. Team that just piles up points like they're coming out of uh, their fingers. 48 big ones, baby. 48 points. Yeah, every year it's the same old story. We're talking Super Bowl because the people there know nothing about sports. And didn't I tell you that the Jets are a little girls team? Didn't I tell you that? Yes. I told you that. Losing to like a marginal, barely existent team anymore. Although, isn't that the same Jack? Well, it's not the same team, but the same franchise that beat the Dolphins by like 67 to 3 or something like that in the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. 62 to 3. I don't want to embellish it. At any rate, I don't want to rub it in. A lot of uh, nasty uh, attitudes down there, I'm sure, because the Dolphins lost a, a football game. You know, the Patriots lost yesterday. My life goes on. I mean, you know, I like the team and all that, that stuff, but it's a football game. It's a ball game, for Christ's sakes, okay? 
Don't get all carried away. Big day today. The uh, pizza loft opens today oh! in Plantation, right there behind Walgreens on Knob Hill and uh, Sunrise, right behind Marcy's uh, Walgreens. Do you know Marcy took the place over? No, I did not. She owns that place now. All well, right. See, if I keep saying it, maybe it'll come true because I love Marcy and she loves me. Oh, there's that obnoxious Christiana Amanpour. Yeah. We're told. wonder if she's hanging out with the Pope again these days. Bitch. Idiotic bitch. Silly person. That's CNN for you, baby. At least one thing about them we all know don't take them seriously, ever. What was I just saying oh, about the poll? Uh, if you could program your... And how come we didn't put that bitch on there? That would have been a good choice. And George Will should have been on the poll. Oh, yeah. And Bob Novak and many other people. But, you know, you make the list too long and people just can't handle it. If you could program your TV set to block out one person, who would that be? We had 1,357 votes. Holy crap. George W. wins uh, pretty pretty easily. Sir, in fact, I think he won this uh, by more votes than he really won the election by. <laughs> than they stole the election by. W. had 303. 303 votes. Jesse Jackson did a very respectable second. 219. Carrot Top, 139. Al Sharpton, 107. So it was a big Schwarzfest there. Between Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, they had uh, well over 300 votes. And speaking of Schwarzfest, it just continues. Oprah Winfrey, 89. Maybe we could just, uh, like, just block most dark folks off the TV until they start putting some nice ones on there, people we like, like Malcolm. Seriously, think of all the objectionable dark people that turn up on the TV set. Except for George Jefferson. I don't ever see that anymore. Do you? No. Love the Jeffersons. Oh, don't want to get Tom Jick upset. He thought it was a racist show. Uh, Dr. Phil is right on Oprah's ass. As a matter of fact, she's got 89. <laughs> he had 84. Literally. Al, uh, Ann Coulter, 82. Steve, the Dell Computer dude, 71. He did extremely well. Martha Stewart, 53. Andy Rooney had a cute piece on her last night. Did you see it? No. Said she's a liar. She is. Well, first he said she wasn't a liar, but then he proved that she was about making ice cream with eggs, which he told her was custard, and she promised she'd never do that again. And then she went on uh, the CBS Morning Show and made ice cream with eggs. Martha Stewart, 53. Brian Norcross, who was off to a slow start, had 48. Attaboy, Brian. You can do it, baby. You can change the channels faster than uh, anybody's remote. Bill O'Reilly, 45, which I actually got a thing by Bill O'Reilly today from the Globe. Can you believe that? About O.J. really done it? He oh, done it. He done it. Uh, Larry King, 25, way on down the list. Uh, Billy Mays, the Orange Glow infomercial guy, almost beat out Larry, 24. You know why Larry didn't do so well? Why's that? Because they never see him on there because nobody watches that under the age of 100. Jim Rome, 17 for old Romy. Emeril Lagasse had 16. Condoleezza Rice had 15. Please, Condoleezza, just go away. Don't go away, man. Just go away, Condoleezza. I mean, seriously, what dark-complected folks do we like to see on TV? Can you name me one? Certainly not Bill Cosby. Vanessa L. Williams. Oh. Uh, Barbara Walters, 14. Shepard Smith, 6. And I guess a sympathy vote for Richard Quest at the end, Mr. Bucktooth, because nobody knows who that is. Richard Quest, that Brit, that silly-ass Brit on CNN that used to be somewhere else. He got one vote out of 1,360. Nice going. Here's a, we got a great poll again today because Neil knows his poll, baby. Before we get to the poll, let me remind you, come by Castaway Seafood Company on the corner of University and Griffin Road uh, tonight, 6 to 8 p.m. How did the thing go uh, at Bill Seidel's? <laughs> there were lots of people there. None of them were there to see us. Huh? There were a lot of people there, but none of them were there to see us. Nobody showed up. The sandwiches had a great turnout. Nobody showed up? <laughs> no, there were people there for the for the sandwiches. No, no, nobody showed up to see you. Well, what was it? Did any, no, of, our we, there, it did any of our listeners show up? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll 
right, a clean sweep. I like hearing that. But that's uh, that's always the when you go down to the Boulevard of Savings, that's what you get. I don't understand. Why do they keep having you back? What is that all about? To keep their name mentioned on the airline. Oh, because they get a lot of free mentions because that's part of. And how about that red ruffin sore spot? Could that be the worst one of all time that we just had there at the end of Mo Show? That was as scandalous as that. How bad that was. And speaking of, uh, let's see, George will be there, and Miguel, and uh, Carlos, and Chuck, and uh, Eddie, and uh, with a QM prize van, great food and drink special six to eight tonight, which I think is scandalous considering the fact that it's opening night for Pizza Loft. That's okay. I'm sure Adam did that on purpose. Yeah, probably. Nice going, Adam, you idiot. Probably there'll be some cult members there, too, tonight, if you want to get, like, uh, you know, indoctrinated. Here's today's poll. Which of these do you think, now we've got two, four, six, seven choices. Which of these do you think best defines who you are? You think that is pretty self-explanatory? Okay. Well, you sound kind of like quizzical there. Well, I'm real, no, I'm real curious. Which of these going? do you think best defines who you are? Your race, your gender, your religion, your nationality, your political beliefs, your sexual orientation, or your physical appearance? I think I got it covered, man. Wow. I think that's one heavy-duty pool. I think that's just... I mean, you know, in that last one, physical appearance, I mean, some people just say, hey, how's fat boy? And you think, oh, oh, oh that fat slob? Really short. That fat slob? Or, yeah, yeah. Or that little uh, that little shrimp like Todd Dreck that I like. To... Oh, and by the way, how come we had no visit this morning from either uh, Muff or uh, Clarence? Duff came in, like, right at 9 o'clock. And yeah, too late. Yeah. Too late to have, like, any com any verbal intercourse about the problems that continue to linger. First, I smell my finger, and then I realize it did linger. You know what I'm saying? Sounds it like lingers. Malinger. That's that odor, that aroma, that stench. <coughs> it's QAM. It continues to linger as Todd Dreck continues. I don't know. I think maybe, maybe today is the day we start crossing off his spots. You know, because there doesn't seem to be any other way to get through to that child. And screw Ann. She's sitting back there with her gigantic uh, four-headed dildo. Roy. And whatever else she's doing back there, and she uh, she can't be bothered. I mean, seriously, stop and think about it. we got a, gener a, a program director and an operations manager now, and they still can't get anything done. We come in this morning. Was the audio on this morning? No. No. Same old stuff. Monday morning, the post-dolphin blues. And, of course, after they lose that game, after they get their asses walloped yesterday, you just know that there wasn't going to be no audio feed up here, which is kind of strange because the Marlin game, what time did the Marlin game start yesterday? Was it like four? Day. No, I think. Because they sure as hell wouldn't be playing at the same time at home as a, a Dolphin game. It was the last game of the season, by the way. Oh, well, thank the Lord. For the Marlins, anyway. But, uh, so, and that was feeding up here. I didn't check it later on, but that was feeding just fine. I heard that Dave Van Boring guy on there. And then I come in this morning, I, I waltz in here, 6.15, kind of bleary-eyed, and I look at that thing, and there's nothing. Nothing, uh, no level bouncing on my telos. According to and the I, schedule, the Marlins was on uh, 7.90. Oh, so in other words, they were feeding me the stuff that they were feeding to Waxy, but I wasn't getting the QAM feed even last night. So it was, it's a dolphin thing again. It's the way it goes. And, of course, can I hear the dolphin game here? No. Do I want to hear the dolphin game here? No. No, I got the NFL package in here. Why the hell would I want to listen to Mo on the radio? Anyway, here's that poll again for today. Let's not get sidetracked, okay? This is a very, very important poll, don't you think? I, I don't know how I'm going to vote on it either. Well, there you go. I'm That's a good sign. Think about this, right? I don't. I'm not thinking about it for more than a half a second. I got my answer already, but I won't tell you till after we vote. I... Which of these do you think best defines who you are? Your race, your gender, your religion, your nationality, 
your political beliefs, your sexual orientation, or your physical appearance. That's today's pool on neilrogers.com. Heavy, heavy duty. Twelve minutes after nine at five sixty WQAM. Let me tell you one of the easiest things you'll ever do in your life, and that is get you a great name brand mattress. If you're smart, if you're dumb, you'll do it the old-fashioned way and run around all over town like an idiot. But if you're smart, you'll do what I've been doing for the last several years. You'll pick up your instrument and call our good buddies at Dial a Mattress at one eight hundred Mattress. You should know by now that they give you so much more than just great service. They give you unbeatable selection, all the top names in the universe. They got Sealy, Inserta, Simmons, King Coil. Nobody else in the world has got the selection they got because they have such a deep selection. The exact mattress that you want to put your ass on is in stock, ready for nearly immediate delivery. Just that one easy call. You'll talk to people who really know their crap inside and out, and they'll hook you up with exactly the mattress you'll be looking for. 1-800-MATTRESS, M-A-T-T-R-E-S. And, of course, you pick the time for delivery. Any day, seven days a week, any two-hour window that's convenient for you when you're going to be home and... And they give you prices that are unbeatable. Everyday low prices we're talking about. Not some phony baloney sale where they then stick you with a bait and swish. And they also give you that 30-day in-home comfort guarantee to let you try out your great new mattress the right way by sleeping on it and doing all sorts of obscene things on it that will probably piss off Dr. Kennedy. So pick up that phone and call them right now. You'll be sleeping like a little baby tonight. Call 1-800-MATTRESS, M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on that wicked World Wide Web at mattress.com. Live and local, this is 560. The radio's all yours now. Q-A-M. Just like your fat, fat, churning ladies Have to fight two seats on a plane Spilling your fingers that of yellow stain From Cheetos, can't see your toes Past your piggy poo nose Proud to be fat, disgusting, and pasty Oi! You make the shoved women smile they like a gal who's fat and sassy, pink smelly fat, so repulsive and vile. Your body cheese smells like a crapper. After it was occupied by head Hasner, need a shoehorn to get into your car. Cause you're too goddamn wide. Oink and squeal, oink and squeal, oink and squeal, fat lady. Living with your lover, let's be. Slobbering and snorting the tree between her knees. Mashed potato yeast. Smells fishy to me. Lapping up a tuna that's moist and tasty. Hey! You know, that's a great poll question for another day. Which do you think smells worse, Scruan or uh, Rosie's crotch? Wow. Sorry to hit you with that this early on a Monday morning, but something certainly to think about. Nine, 918 at 560 WQM. I'm kind of giddy this morning, you know what? What's that? I have no idea. really don't know. I'm just kind of giddy. It's beautiful. It's sunny. It's going to be uh, 80 degrees today here in T.O. Oh! It's uh, giddy. Mirthful. Gay. And gay. So uh, when's Eric going to get with it already on that thing? You know, he's a little bit slow. He's kind of a slow starter, always has been. Go slow on Iraq. Coincidentally, uh, the enough, Internet connection our... for him is down. He can't get any audio. We just faxed him the poll. 
He sure has problems up there, you know. Don't we all? He sure. No, I don't hey, have his a, internet connection since, better than the one we have here in the, the building. Since the day that I've been here, which was back on March one, I've never had one second of downtime. No, you there. Internet. I'll beg your pardon. Maybe it's a whole Florida thing. It's it's Florida again. It's here, that Florida problem. Work the house. Haven't there. had one moment of downtime. Had haven't had one second of busy time. You know when the thing is like too busy because everybody else is on it. Uh, not one second. But that's the way it goes, boys and girls. Another good reason not to be in Florida, I guess. Mark Dayton, who's a Minnesota senator, writes, and this was in Saturday's Washington Post, go slow on Iraq. And wait till you hear the next one. I already told you, but don't uh, bl don't uh, spill the beans. The next article I'm going to read is by people wouldn't even believe it. Anyway, this one first. He says, what a difference an administration makes. Congressional leaders who are hurrying votes on Iraq had very different views when a president was a Democrat named Bill Clinton. They made more sense back then. After Saddam Hussein bounced U.N. inspectors in January of 1998, then-Senate Majority Leader Trent Lott said on February 12th, I had hoped that we could get to the point where we could pass a resolution this week on Iraq, but we really developed some physical problems, if nothing else, so we've decided that the most important thing is not to move so quickly, but to make sure that we've had all the right questions asked and answered and that we have available to us the latest information about what is happening with our allies in the world. The Senate is known for its deliberate actions, and the longer I stay in the Senate lot, said, the more I have learned to appreciate it. It does help us to give uh, give us time to think about the potential problems and the risks and the ramifications and to, frankly, press the administration. This was said by Trent Lott on February 12, 98. The Republican-controlled Senate took five more months to pass a resolution that year, and it did not authorize President Clinton to use military force. After Saddam invaded Kuwait in 1990, the Senate also deliberated five months before authorizing what became the Persian Gulf War. Yet now Congress is being rushed to pre-approve whatever President Bush decides to do, which includes something no president has done before, start a war. According to researchers at the Library of Congress, the United States has never in its 213-year history launched a preemptive attack against another country, never. During the past 50 years, our leaders have confronted dangerous dictators who possessed weapons of mass destruction, yet they protected our country and planet by preventing war, not by starting one. Some members of Congress and the administration are now demanding that we rush to vote so that we can rush to war. Such haste is unnecessary, reckless, and foolish. For some of my colleagues, it seems a quick and easy decision to wave the flag, denounce an evil dictator, and launch our military might. But war seldom is quick or easy. We know that the U.S. would defeat Iraq and depose Saddam Hussein, but we don't know the cost in bloodshed, destruction, and subsequent occupation, and we don't know the consequences of violating our national principle of not starting wars. That principle, which has earned us enormous respect throughout the world, is the cornerstone of international stability. As the world's superpower, we set the standards for international conduct. We lead by our deeds. When we lead the world by our diplomacy and peaceful resolution of conflicts, we make it more secure. But what if we attacked another country because it might threaten our national security? How could we dissuade others from doing the same? If nations that have nuclear weapons or that are developing them fear a preemptive strike, what might their responses be? Would the world be more or less secure? The profound consequences of these decisions are compelling reasons to make them as carefully as possible. I believe that the president is right about the need to disarm Saddam Hussein before he obtains nuclear weapons and the ability to use them against us, but that threat does not appear to exist today or within the next few months. For now, the president's withholding his decision about U.S. military action. Congress should do the same, but instead it's vote quick, pass the buck, head for home, and wish him luck. Oh, I like that. Vote quick, pass the buck, head for home, and wish him luck. Good luck. This rush to vote is being driven more by political expediency than by military necessity. Gaining political advantage in a midterm election is a shameful reason to hurry a decision to this magnitude. If the president needs Congress to support his resolve never to let Saddam Hussein threaten our nation weapons with weapons of mass destruction, we can pass such a resolution tomorrow. 
If the U.N. fails to exact Iraq's compliance with its previous restrictions, this Congress or its successor can convene at any time to authorize the appropriate U.S. military response. This is what the Constitution intends when it authorizes Congress and only Congress to declare war. This would be an especially good time for Congress to do it right, says Democratic Senator Mark Dayton of Minnesota. Yeah. Pretty well said, Mark. I see our new poll isn't up there yet. That's because Mark, uh, what's his name? Mark uh, Eric? Eric Mark? Uh, hasn't got his thing together yet. So he's got problems with his thing, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes when you weigh 600 pounds, you have a problem with your thing because all that fat, you know, squeezes down there into your, like, abdomen. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. We had a kid and in it, uh, high school. It puts tremendous pressure on your privates, man, and they shrivel up to, like, the size of, like, a mung bean. You ever see a mung bean? No. Well, that's that's what they look like when you're that fat. Believe me, I've been that fat. I've been humongous. The kid in high school had... Nothing. Yeah. Oh, look at that. The thing is changing on there, which means we're going to start getting that pull on there any minute now. Oh! Which I think is one of our most uh, shocking. Okay, here I have time for this. People are going to say, he's reading columns by Pat Buchanan. That is correct. That is... Absolutely correct, sir. And it's a damn good one. See, this isn't written by some yellow-bellied liberal... Bleeding heart. Some commie, pinko, bleeding heart right. scumbag. This is written by Pat Buchanan, no less... America's new sucker punch strategy. And he says inherent in the natural law, uh, in the natural law right of self-defense is the right to strike first if one's life is in peril. If a criminal demands your money at gunpoint, you have no moral obligation to inquire if he also intends to kill you before shooting him. People have an innate sense of this right. Americans thus rally to the side of Bernie Getz, the subway vigilante, who threatened by thugs with screwdrivers demanding five dollars, dropped all four in that subway car in the style of Wyatt Earp. Nor is a nation obliged to wait and ride out a first strike by a hostile regime, which could bring death to thousands of citizens, the protection of whose lives is the first business of government. When Khrushchev slipped nuclear missiles into Cuba, JFK was prepared to destroy them, killing Russians and Cubans, rather than let them become operational, and rightly so. What, then, is wrong with the White House strategy paper that asserts a right to launch preemptive wars against rogue regimes to keep them from acquiring weapons of mass destruction? First, this new strategy relegates to the ash heap of history a policy of deterrence that kept us secure for 50 years of Cold War. Regimes as evil as Stalin's and Mao's knew we could not attack them if they did not attack us. While this did not save the Soviet or Chinese peoples from their persecutors, it kept America secure. Was that not the first business of a conservative government? America has never been a sucker-punch nation. Even when presidents believed war was inevitable, they ensured that the enemy struck the first blow. Polk waited until the Mexican army had shed American blood on American soil before asking for a declaration of war. Before calling up volunteers to invade the South, Lincoln provoked the Confederacy into firing on Fort Sumter by sending the Star of the West into Charleston Harbor to provision the fort. FDR provoked Tokyo by imposing an oil embargo and sending the Flying Tigers to China to maneuver the Japanese into firing the first shot in the words of Secretary of War Stimson. Preemptive strikes have been the way of war for nations like Japan, which launched a surprise attack on the Russian squadron in Port Arthur in 1904 that anticipated Pearl Harbor 37 years later. Or the Kaiser, whose field marshals believed that if war impended, they must strike first through neutral Belgium to flank and crush France before the Russian steamroller could mobilize and flatten East Prussia. Hitler preempted Churchill's planned strike into neutral Norway and invaded the Soviet Union to preempt an attack he knew must one day come. As Stalin had himself attacked Finland, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, and Romania, he stabbed Poland in the back in 1939. Few wept for the Bolsheviks. Preemptive wars ended in disaster for Hitler and Tojo, but one nation for whom it did work well was Israel. Faced with Nasser's threat to block oil from passing through the Gulf of Aqaba, Israel struck down June 5, 1967, destroying the Egyptian, Jordanian, Syrian air forces and occupying Gaza, Sinai, the West Bank, and Golan in six days. 
But in 1973, Sadat's army retaliated with a Yom Kippur surprise attack that recaptured western Sinai and inflicted thousands of casualties on Israel. Only Nixon's airlift and General Sharon's intrepidity saved Israel. But why would a near-invincible nation like ours embrace a sucker-punch strategy? Through history, few nations, perhaps Mexico in 1846, wanted war with America. In 1812, the Brits had their hands full with Napoleon. The South didn't want to fight Lincoln's Union, only to leave it. Spain was desperate to avoid war with America in 1898. Neither the Kaiser nor Hitler wished to fight the U.S. Both sought to avoid any clashes at sea. Japan only lashed out in desperation. Sodom thought he had a green light to invade Kuwait. While al-Qaeda terrorists who have nothing to lose will attack and kill Americans at will and must be run down and eradicated, a nation that attacks America courts its own annihilation. Why would any nation do it? To justify a preemptive war, two conditions should be first met. The threat should be imminent and grave, and other avenues should have been exhausted. Having these conditions, or rather, have these conditions been met with Iraq? To be honest, no. Not only has Saddam neither threatened us or attacked us, though we smashed his country, decimated his army, and tried to kill him, there's no evidence he even plans an attack. By broadcasting to the world this new imperial doctrine, i.e., we allow no nation to acquire the power we possess, and we reserve the right to strike hostile nations that build the kind of weapons we possess, President Bush has drawn a line in the sand for every anti-American regime on earth and dared them to cross it. Either he is bluffing, or we're headed for endless confrontations and constant wars. Writes Pat Buchanan. Wow. How do you like that when even a right-wing nutcase like him starts making a lot of sense? 927 at 560 WQAM with your busy lifestyle. You need all the energy you can to feel healthy, and Oleomite can help you do that. It's an exciting new product that contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil combined with other good stuff, along with vitamins, minerals, and herbals, and a little easy-to-take soft gel capsule that you just pop in your puss. There's a separate Oleomite product for each different part of your aspect of your thing and your health. There's one for your heart, one for your blood pressure, one for your cholesterol, your prostate, your skin, your bones, your circulatory, your digestive, your endocrine system, even your mind, all using the benefits of the finest, the purest, the bestest is olive oil on the face of the globe. And Oleomed makes products for men and ladies as well. You can pick it up today all over town at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedano's, and Navarro Pharmacy. You can call them toll-free to get more information as well at 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED. And don't forget, you can order Oleomed online if you like to at oleomedamerica.com. Sports Radio 560 QAM. You're a bastard. In a hotel somewhere in Hallandale, it's Al Michaels. Sheridan. Yup, yup, yup. What about it? Yup, yup, yup. That was quite a tryst we had that night. Yup, 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 yup. Yeah. So, how's paradise? Oh, Howard David. Still on 560 WQAM. And it is amazing, isn't it? 932 at 560 WQAM. Happy uh, Monday to you. 30, uh, what is it? 27 votes on the poll. It's up there. It's up. Which of these do you think best defines who you are? Your political beliefs, nine. Your gender, six. Your physical appearance, five. Your nationality, four. Your religion, one. 
your race one and your sexual orientation one. Pretty interesting, huh? Very interesting. Yeah. Of course, wrong as usual, but you know. You know this crowd. Well, we'll get into it a little bit later. You're going to tell more... us what you voted for eventually. I will. Right? I will momentarily right. when we get some more votes on there. I'll tell you. What did you vote for? I'll t well, you'll wait. Right. You're holding back. And so will I. Until we get like about 50 votes on there, then I'll tell you. Okay. I'll tell you the correct answer. All right. Oh, and speaking of uh, interesting things, American Taliban, this is from the New York Post, so it might be true even though it's a right-wing rag. American Taliban Linden gay pleasure triangle. American Taliban, uh, Taliban, John Walker Lind enjoy. I thought that was Paul Lind. That was my theory all along, by the way. About Your him. theory was what? About him. What, what, what does that mean? Your theory was what? I haven't even read the first sentence yet. Okay, go ahead. And then I'll Your theory you. was what? He's a that fag? He's a fag in denial, and that's why he embraced Islam and uh, went away to live in the desert with a whole bunch of men. Well, generally, fags in denial embrace something, but it's not Islam. I mean, why would you no, embrace they, something? They, no, they usually embrace Catholicism. I see. Well, at least there's more opportunities there, I think. Anyway, American Taliban John Walker Lind enjoyed secret gay sex romps All right. with his Muslim mentors, a new report claimed. Told you. Married, Pakistan... <laughs> Married Pakistani businessman Kaiser Hyatt, oh, I like his hotels, told Time Magazine he was 21-year-old Lind's lover. An imam from the Lind's Madras, oh, I see, that's like Madrasa, I see. Uh, oh, it is Madrasa, just spelled differently. Uh, an Islamic religious school also hinted that he enjoyed carnal capers with a young zealot. Carnal capers, are, don't they put those on your steak? Huh? Or is that peppercorns? Oh. He was liking me very much all the time. He wants to be with me. Hey, I told the Time uh, Time magazine. I was loving him because love begets love, you know, he said. <laughs> that's what he That's <laughs> the quote, because babies. love begets love, you know. Lynn, whose father came out of the closet in 1998... Now, don't you remember that part of the story? We no. already knew that. How'd I miss that? Lind, whose father came out of the closet in 1998, mid high to 1999 at San Francisco Mosque. Lind's spiritual advisor in Pakistan, Mufti Mohammed Itimas huh? Khan, said huh? the young convert spoke wistfully of his first meeting with Hayat. It was the beginning of the dangerous journey, the first jaunt, the first pleasure journey, the holy man said. In October 2000, Lind wrote to Hyatt inquiring about madrasas in Pakistan. A week later, he phoned and announced he was arriving in Islamabad. He was ready to stay with me, but eventually put, pushed him back into the madrasa, Hyatt said. Now the businessman appears to be jealous of the teacher he recommended, Mufti Itimas Khan. He, Lind, loved me more, Hyatt sniffed. <laughs> Says the post. He sniffed. He snibbled. How do you like that? Gay. So there you go, John, Napoker, Paul, whatever the hell your name is. You're out of the closet, baby. You're gay. Yeah. And as far as daddy's concerned, you're gay. Too. So there you go, a little interesting twist. And of course, when you're wearing those uh, scantily, you know, those little robes, it's easy, right. quick access. <laughs> Always work for the monks. Just lift up your dress. Right, just hike it. Oh, and speaking of that, speaking of schmata heads, this is in the Inquirer. And of course, on this show, regardless of what any of you might think, this show will give the Inquirer the highest credibility, more than the New York Times, more than anybody, more than the Weekly Reader. Because if it's in the Enquirer, the chances are 99 and 9 tenths percent that it's true. Lie detection expert, terrorist tipster told the truth. In other words, that brought in Georgia. Med student lied. Med students lie. You know those three students that caused right. that big timus not too many Fridays ago? <laughs> exactly. Couldn't say it better by ourselves than the castaways. Isn't that interesting? It's the castaways singing that song, and you're going to be at the castaways tonight. How about that? It's Haven't I always told you how these things fit together? Right. That's what John Paul Walker Lynn's Paul Lynn said. <laughs> These things fit together. 
My rectum. And your ding dong. Maybe he liked ding dongs. Rosie likes uh, who who uh, ho hos, <laughs> who hos, who ho ho. In fact, I was thinking Rosie's more like Santa Claus and more than just way they're uh, way than once. They're both big on ho hos. Rosie and Santa. Wouldn't you? I can just imagine her playing Santa. Can't you? Like at the um, sure at the Dateland. She'll have to bring her beard though. Mm-mm-mm. Terrorist tipster told the truth and med student lied. Patriotic tipster Eunice Stone is telling the truth, and one of the three medical students she fingered is lying, according to a top lie detector expert. It all happened the way she said it happened. It's not a story. It's the truth, said Alfred E. Stairwich, who used cutting-edge technology to assess Eunice's statements after she said she overheard the students in Georgia Shoney's plotting a terrorist attack. But when he tested a statement by one of the students, he said he found abnormal stress patterns indicative of deception. The inquiry employed Sturwich to get to the bottom of the controversy that made national headlines and had law enforcement officials scrambling to avert a terrorist attack on September. And, of course, uh, we were all worried about that Turkey Point nuclear plant because Paula Zahn at CNN is a crazy person. She's a journalist like my goddamn little dog is a broadcaster. Although he is going to be doing morning story next week. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Tiny. Who's producing? Do we have anybody left? Robert. On September 12th, Eunice reported to authorities she'd overheard the three men in a Shoney's restaurant in Calhoun, Calhoun, Georgia, where that strawberry pie sure is special, making comments about September 11th, the date of last year's terrorist attacks. They were laughing about Americans mourning 9/11. She stated, "They said if they're mourning about September 11th, what do you think? Uh, what do you think they'll think about the September 13th?" One guy said, "Do you think that'll bring it down?" And he said, "If that don't bring it down, I have contacts. I'll get enough to bring it down." To me, that meant they were planning to blow up something. Later that day, the three medical students, Combis Butt. Omar Shudhari and Amon Geith, all of Arab descent, were pulled over on Florida's Alligator Rally and held for about 18 hours while their car was examined by bomb squads with bomb-sniffing dogs. And don't forget that little robot. A police dog trained to sniff out explosives was alerted to ascend in the car, authorities said, but no explosives were found and men were released. See, there's a, I don't want to sound like making some kind of a grotesque, bigoted remark, because that would be a first on this show. But generally speaking, where you have uh, people of that descent, you'll find some strange aromas, especially ones that have like a schmata on their head. And are, <laughs> well, I mean, these guys maybe smell really good. I don't know. I, I don't know. I wouldn't know. I doubt it. Officials praised Eunice for contacting police, but she came under fire from Muslims and others. She was branded a liar and a racist, had to disconnect her phone after receiving death threats, and was admitted to a hospital for chest pains. In an exclusive inquiry investigation, we furnished Stairwish with a taped interview that Eunice gave to CNN's Paula Zahn, and an interview with one of the three students, Combiz Butt. Stairwatch of the Diogenes Company hooked up his computer containing sophisticated voice analyzation software designed by him and a physicist to assess credibility during both interviews. Stairwatch worked with an intelligence group in Vietnam and now works for local, state, and federal agencies, and he found that Eunice's story is not made up or enhanced. This all happened. She believes totally what she's saying, he said. Stairwood zeroed in on the controversy over the students mentioned the dates 9-11 and September 13th, as Eunice reported to police. Eunice shows normal stress when she addresses dates, said Stairwood. When she says they were laughing about 9-11, the stress level shows trust that she believes what she's saying and that she's comfortable with what she's saying. In contrast, Butt's tape raises alarm bells, according to Stairwood. But to, told Larry King, she said, we mentioned 9-11, we mentioned 9-13. These dates were never brought up in our conversation at all. I really think she had to add those statements to complete her story. Stairwitch revealed, I found abnormal stress with the word story in the young man's narrative. The stress level is indicative of deception. It's clear to me from the stress pattern that he doesn't believe these dates were just part of a made-up story on Mrs. Stone's part. 
I really question the veracity of the young man saying these dates were never brought up. Eunice believes what she's saying. He doesn't. Brett Newkirk, a lawyer representing the three medical students, told the Inquirer, It's a horrible misunderstanding. These young men walked into Shoney's. They clearly were Middle Eastern. She allowed this perception to cloud her thinking. She took tidbits and made it ominous. September 11th was never discussed. She said, uh, was set off when they talked about bringing it down. They were going to bring a car down, that's all. Yeah, let's bring the car down to the repair shop. You know, something like that. Sure. They were not carrying explosives. It was a face-saving effort on the sheriff's part to say that the dogs smelled something. We think the dogs smelled samosas, meat pastries that the boys had in the car, but the dogs were hungry. You ever have a samosa? <laughs> no. He's got a bad complexion, I'll tell you that. Now, how about that Noriega? But Mark Mills, president of Southern Police Canine, Inc., in North Carolina, who has provided 600 dogs for the war on terrorism, told the Inquirer, a properly trained explosive detection canine would not pay attention to any type of food on a search. During narcotics and bomb training, we place food in the area. They're trained to ignore the food, and they do. How do you like that, huh? I do that. So don't try to, like, uh, take Rin Tin Tin and tempt him with some kind of, like, like some uh, piece of steak or something, because he's going to ignore it. He'll, like, sniff at it and go, fat, just like that, fat. Just like when I think of Todd Dreck, I go, feh. By now you've heard the incredible earning potential of a computer professional and that Todd Dreck is, you know something, Todd Dreck doesn't react well to those stress tests on his uh, stuff either, you know what? Because he's a professional freaking liar. You've heard us talk about the incredible demand for certified computer. And speaking of Todd Dreck, by the way, how's Stephen uh, Davey doing? You know Steve I'm talking about? I do. You've heard me talk about the incredible demand for certified computer professionals until I'm blue in the face. So do something. Do yourself a favor. Pick up the phone and call the experts at Fast Train at 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Even the call is free. There's no obligation. Get yourself started on the road to a real career making some serious bucks. You can complete your program, get certified in just four short months, and be on your way to a new higher-paying career. Fast Train's got four convenient locations in Dayton Broward. And maybe someday we'll know where all four are, but I sure doubt it because Todd Dreck is a derelict. He's a piece of turd. He smells like whatever those dogs smelled in that car. Fast Train has got convenient day, evening, and weekend classes to fit your schedule, too. they got a full-time job placement department with over 30 experience in placing folks just like you. So don't wait. Pick up the phone and call our good friends at Fast Train. Tell them that Todd Dreck told you to call, and they'll laugh their ass off. Call 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN, or check them out on the web, if you like, at FastTrain.com. Radio 5 Yo, yo, let's rate Do you have the next million dollar idea and just don't know how to get started? I invented a plug you stick in your butt in case you got diarrhea. Do you think a manufacturer would want to produce and market your product and pay you royalties? Sure, it works pretty good unless you got an industrial case of diarrhea. Uh. Hey, it's all over the floor! Uh. Call the professionals at Universal Consulting Service. Call now. 9.45 at 5.60 WQAM. So getting back to our pool, I think it's show and tell time, 72 votes. Can I explain to you what this uh, the real answer is and how it works? Okay. The poll question is, which of these do you think best defines who you are? Now, let me ask you, what do people think about more than anything else? Sex. Yes. So there's the answer for you. Do okay. they think do they think about politics more than anything else? No. Do rational people think about religion more than anything else? 
No. In fact, e even the religionists, even the most devout, what are they thinking about 90% of the time, 98% of the time? Sex. Sex, sex, sex. That's what they're thinking about. That's what usually gets their ass into hot water and the rest of them too sometimes. Is there any is there any debate about that? Is that uh No, I see your point now even though I chose religion and I can explain why. Go right ahead. Even though you're and guess what? You're wrong, well, no, but you I gave it a good shot. It's certainly better than some of the others. What, what's now the, that you uh, explain it that way, because that determines uh, more than anything else whether I'm able to get along with someone, whatever their sex might be, or sexual orientation. See, I read it wrong. Hmm? In other words, if... Anybody out there following George's answer? No. Chuck understands. I, I didn't ask you what's going to determine whether or not you can get along with people, you know, whether you're an asshole, whether you're like a hard ass. I mean, that, that would be a bunch of different choices. Let me read the question again to you and give you a chance to change your mind, okay? Which of these do you think best defines who you are? Yeah, but I don't run around my life, uh, you know, thinking, oh, I'm heterosexual, heterosexual, heterosexual. You don't have to, Ed, because right. that's, who, that's who you are. That's what you are. That's what I are. That's what you are. And so you're thinking you see this hot babe, and right away you're like, you know, that's what you're thinking. I mean, let's face it. That's what you're thinking no, you're about. Right. That's what your, your entire view of life that you live. I'm not saying that those other things don't take up, obviously, a little part of your brain, but everything that you uh, you view life as is as a heterosexual male, okay? Okay. You're right. Which, which of these do you think best uh, uh, defines who you are? Your political beliefs, 19, absolutely ridiculous. That defines who you are. Although I would, I would put that number two. Huh? Well, I think uh, your political beliefs have a lot to do with your general philosophy. With your general, from, uh, what you are and who you are and how you live your, your life and how you relate to people and whether you're a bigoted Neanderthal right-wing piece of crap, <clears throat> etc. Your physical belief, your political beliefs, 22 people said that. Your physical appearance, 18. Well, see, now that, that, that's unfortunate. But this, I'm, this is a great point. You want to know why? Because this shows what most people think. Right. And that is, and, and I, I have to confess, I'm guilty of the same thing. You see somebody who's really physically ugly, unattractive, and every once in a while I have to remind myself, but that might be a nice person inside. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I know. Like me, for example. I mean, I look like crap, but the fact of the matter is I'm a great guy. Uh, you know, sweetie, a mensch. I'm a, a wonderful human being. Believe me, the human race could take a good lesson from me, even people who don't return my emails. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I do. And I don't want to go into that because then we'll have to go into that website. No, I don't want to discuss it on the air. Yeah, but I'm just saying there are some assholes out there who can't deal with it. But, I mean, like Fat Boy. Fat Boy is, uh, he is what he is. He's a oh, disgusting yeah. fat slob and a troublemaker and annoying. You know, no question. So he's defined he's an by exception. That. Huh? He's defined by that, without a doubt. That's him. But I'll give you another example. Fat Rich. There's a guy, huge fat guy, but he's a great guy, I think. You know, I'm not really sure. But he's a, oh, look at this. <laughs> Why? What are you laughing about? <laughs> that line. Well, I don't know what the, I've known him I, for over 20 I, years. I don't know what his deal is. I, you know, something, <laughs> let, let me say this to you, okay? I've told you this before and I think you'll, you'll relate. Yeah. Sometimes you're better off not asking questions. Right. You know what I'm saying? The less you know about people, sometimes the better off you are. That's right. Because, uh, well, what what is so funny about that? The, the less you know, and that and you know, and do, let me ask you: Do I pry? Am I the kind of person? No, I'm not a, of course. I'm not, not. a yenta. I'm not somebody who pries. Because I feel if somebody wants to tell me something, they'll tell me exactly, no matter who it just, is. Just by osmosis, when you've known someone for years, just things are going to seep out. You're just going to put it together. Things are going to seep out. <laughs>
You know, I tell you, you could be the most hard-ass little spick I've ever... I, I Seriously, let's take a poll on that world, the biggest hard-ass spick. And that would be George. There's not, not even a close second. You make Castro look like, uh, like Santa Claus. It's a damn good thing you're not a dictator, I'll tell you that. First of all, all us Jews, we'd be going to camp. Nah, I'd be welcoming them all here. Yeah. Get out of that desert. Come over right. here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> bad come place see, over Come there. see this desert, and we'll send you to no, summer come camp. Over here. We'll Twelve months of the year. Nice anyway, speaking here. of religionists, the minister gets two years for sex with a 14-year-old. Oh, and another one from Cleveland. Canton, Ohio, is that Canton. A minister who worked at several Protestant churches in Canton has been sentenced to two years in prison after pleading guilty to have sex with a 14-year-old girl from one of his congregations. Well, at least it was a girl this time, and this was a Protestant. Reverend Larry Hamilton, Sr., 46, who most recently worked at the New Bethel Ministries of Canton, pleaded guilty Friday in Stark County Common Pleas Court to a single felony charge of unlawful sexual conduct with a minor. Okay, getting back, you interrupted me on the poll. Which of these uh, best defines who you are? Your political beliefs, 25. Your physical appearance, 19, which is, which is terrible to think that. That's just because somebody is either ugly or they have a bad hairpiece or they uh, are fat, or more than one of the above. That doesn't say who you are, does it? No. Well, your nationality, 18, your gender, 16, your religion, 6, your sexual orientation, 4, which, of course, is the right answer, and your race, 3, out of 91 votes. Your sexual orientation determines everything about the way you view life. Now, your political views, as I said, that would be second, certainly. But because you're thinking about sex 99% of the time, either that or you're a liar. See, don't tell me it's just me that when I'm walking out on Young Street, for example, and I'm looking around, I look at uh, people and think, holy crap, and my jaw drops to my knee, which is like all the time, because there's so many, contrary to what that punk said that one day, there's so many great-looking people here of all types in the sex and everything else, uh, you wouldn't believe it. You'd be, you'd be flabbergasted. Just ask uh, Joe Costello, he'll tell you. There's some pretty fine-looking people around here. And so you're, you're, uh, you follow what I'm saying? I follow. Now, some of the ugly people out there walking on the same street, they might, might be much nicer people than some of those really hot-looking people, okay? So some of the nice people I might enjoy having, like, a meal and a conversation with. The other people, just a quick a roll in the sack, that's all. Some of the people you might like knowing for 20 years. Some of the other ones maybe just for 20 minutes. Follow? I follow. Makes sense to me. Or maybe... You know, 40 minutes or a couple of hours or a couple of weeks, something like that. So that clearly is the right answer, but some of you are a little less slow on the uptake on this because, and we're all guilty of it, I, I think about it frequently, and that is that you look at somebody and they're ugly and they're grand. Look, hey, most of you people, I've seen a lot of you, okay? Look in the mirror. You're not, you're worse, a lot of you look worse than I do, and that's saying a lot. Now, if people are judging you with the fact something that you have no control over, now granted the fat part, we have a little bit of control, although it's uh, easier said than done. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, but There's the fact option. is that you don't have the complete control over the way you look. It's just the luck of the draw. It's a matter of genes. Just because somebody is young and beautiful and great looking with a marvelous body doesn't make them a nice person. Follow what I'm saying? It makes them attractive. It makes them... Uh... Whatever. As a matter of fact, it gives them an excuse to not be a nice person because some exactly. people put that's up with right. them. Exactly, that's right. Sometimes they got an attitude because they right. think their stuff don't stink. You know what I'm saying? And people will put up with them just to be in around. In fact, there's some ugly and grotesque-looking people older than they claim to be whose stuff uh, does stink. Yo, yo, yo. But that's another story for another day. So is the beast coming in today or not? Haven't seen him, and uh, his food sack is here. You got his sack there. Now let's that's face right. it; it's almost ten o'clock in the morning. It's breakfast it's time, beast. 
So if he's going to stick on a straight and a little bit narrower path, he better be in there. I have a feeling he may be avoiding coming in. Right. You can't you can't put it off forever, Mr. Fat. Because you know what? We're overdue for a weigh-in, and maybe that's why he's... Uh, it's either that, but I think more likely he doesn't want to be cornered there and give us the real reason why he's not producing that morning show anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yo, yo, yo. That could be part of it, or a combination of both. Well, we or maybe he back outside the door. Huh? We could set the bag outside. No, the don't door. set it outside the door because then he can come and grab it. That, that's that's <laughs> lunacy. Put it just inside the door, and then as soon as you see an arm reach in there, just slam that door in his hand, and then we'll all know uh, he's there for sure immediately. I'll set a trap. Set a little mouse trap. A War is a lousy way to win an election. Writes uh, Larry Weiss on Common Dreams News Center. He says the Bush administration intends to launch a slaughter against Iraq, but it has made no serious case for the need to rush to kill scores of thousands and bog our military down in a multi-year occupation. In the absence of such a case, it seems inescapable that the war hysteria has been manufactured just now in order to affect our coming elections. The likely result of the ploy will be to stoke the fires of Islamic extremism and make Americans less safe. Yes, Saddam Hussein is a very bad man. He was uh, was when he was ally of the Reagan and previous Bush administrations and a cornerstone of their regional strategy. He was when he invaded Kuwait and became our enemy, and there is no doubt that he's worked to acquire the most terrible weapons, but we've known this all for decades. There is nothing new here. Neither in President Bush's speech to the U.N. or in any other recent pronouncement, the administration has even tried to provide credible evidence that Saddam is suddenly close to somehow threatening us. There are constant assertions, assertions but no facts. The editors of Jane's Intelligence Digest and Jane's World Army's authoritative independent analysts argue there is no evidence that Iraq is near to having nuclear weapons or the ability to deliver its crude chemical or biological weapons anywhere close to our shores. Administration officials imply that Saddam might give weapons of mass destruction to al-Qaeda to use against us, but Saddam and Osama Yomama bin Laden, who tried to organize a pan-Islamic jihad to drive Iraq out of Kuwait in 1990, are enemies. If the administration's logic held any water, we should be in the midst of war preparations against Pakistan. It has a demonstrated nuclear capability, helped create the Taliban and forged bin Laden's alliance with it, and supported both forces right up to 9-11. Elements of Pakistan's military apparently continue to support them. If stopping a possible transfer of nuclear materials to al-Qaeda is grounds for a hasty war, then why attack Iraq and leave Pakistan alone? Most important, Saddam has capitulated to unconditional UN inspections that will reveal what weapons of mass destruction Iraq has or is making and allow for their destruction. The administration didn't even try to make an argument why that step was insufficient, it simply declared it so and continued full speed ahead toward war. With no evidence of any threat from Iraq that didn't exist in January 2001 or January 2002, why the mad rush to war at this particular time, the inescapable conclusion is that the coming elections are what it's all about. War hysteria led by Republican presidents almost certain to lead to Republican gains in Congress. With the economy ailing, the war in Afghanistan bogging down, and the administration trying to dodge growing indications of security failures related to 9-11, a war buildup is a perfect political answer. It diverts attention from inconvenient issues and puts Democrats in a lose-lose situation. If they dare to stand up and say the emperor has no clothes, they'll be attacked as unpatriotic. If they bend to the hysteria and try to outwarmonger the warmongers, as some have clearly chosen to do, they'll be perceived as a pallid imitation of the real thing. This war hysteria as electoral strategy is callous beyond comprehension. It'll cost many thousands of lives, both of our troops and innumerable Iraqi civilians and conscripts. It'll require a massive U.S. occupation for years to come. And more important, it'll make Americans less, not more safe. This is perhaps the ugliest piece. Americans are traumatized by the attacks carried out a year ago, and we're rightfully betting to ensure that such villains do not uh, occur in the future. Such villainies. The administration has consciously chosen to play on people's real fears of al-Qaeda in order to create the election season war hysteria. It implies we'll somehow be safer from al-Qaeda if we depose Saddam. 
but a war that's a transparent and crass political ploy will only strengthen al-Qaeda's stature in the region and draw more fighters and money to its cause. It may even be the delayed fulfillment of bin Laden's dream that his 9-11 attack would provoke an indiscriminate U.S. response that would in turn forge a vast pan-Islamic front against us. It is time that people of good faith stand together to say that the idea of rushing to war in order to sway an election is simply not acceptable in this country. It's time for those entrusted with moral and political leadership to act with courage. Thus far, there have been few voices beyond those of former military officials from the Reagan and previous Bush administrations who've had the forthrightness to stand up to this insanity. It's time to stand up and be counted, writes Larry Weiss in Minneapolis, a social justice activist who works at the Resource Center of the Americas. 958 at 560, WQM, like I said, the beast has lost close to 60 pounds on balance for life. How close, we don't know, because he hasn't shown his ugly little puss yet. And speaking of the way people look, and is that what they are, et cetera, and so on, if that's his case, forget about him. You know what I'm saying? But at any rate, you want to lose weight? A lot of quacks out there, a lot of people exploiting your fat and your desperation, people that know that you've tried everything under the sun, you still can't lose that ugly, debilitating fat. Here's the answer for you, balance for life. They're doing it for loads of our people in the audience and people all over town. Because Balance for Life provides you with all the food you need. It's all hormonally balanced, and they do all the work for you to make sure that this is the kind of food you need that will keep you healthy and get the pounds pouring off your body. They bring in that little black sack by 6 every morning right to your door, and inside the sack are three delicious fresh gourmet meals, two delicious snacks, and a little 16-ounce bottled water. It's all in there. No shopping, no counting calories, no counting carbs, no decisions to make other than picking whatever you like from there. Two choices for each meal each day that you're on a program. Not some crazy or diet regimen that isn't going to work when you see the pounds come pouring right back on. This is the way to do it. Balance for life. You'll watch the pounds, like I said, go flying off, and you'll be satisfied, too. You won't be starving all day. Pick up the phone and call Balance for Life right now at 954-568-3229. 954-568-3229. Or check out their website at balanceforlife.com. Live, live and local. We're Sports Radio 560. QAM. Talk dirty to me. Hi, I'm Sven. I'm Larry for Sven and Larry's Honey Roasted Nuts. And there's nothing better than our nuts roasted, honey. Stop it, Sven. You're such a kidder. You know what I hate? What's that, Larry? Those tiny little bags of nuts when you're on the plane. Me too. That's why we have big nut sacks. You said it. You could even say our nuts are more than a fistful. I could, but I won't. <laughs> but I will say our nuts are a must for any party or get-together. Or just for a snack at home or while you're at work. Everyone at work will want to get their hands on our nuts. That's right. So the next time you're out shopping, pick up some of Sven and Larry's Honey Roasted Nuts. Wouldn't you just love our nuts in your mouth right now? Oh, <laughs> 10.04 at 5.60, WQM, we got the Mad Dog at 1. Hank will be at Chula's this afternoon. Nat Moore will be with him at five, uh, from 5 to 6. Got no more. Now, what is that all about? Huh? What? I was just going to say we have no more Marlins baseball, so Hank will be on from 3 to 7, but I noticed 6.30 to 8.30, it's Hurricane Hotline from Dave and Buster's. So Hank continues to... <laughs> nice going there, Humper, man. I can't that get over fun. that. What a deal he's got going. He's got with a bigger scan than I got. Even now that baseball season's over, he still gets off at 6.30. And the show, too. And then from 8.30 to 10, we got... Oh! Yeah, the big... Uh, I did that backward, the big O. Eddie K. after uh, that, 10 to 2, and Joe and Mark overnight. There's the schedule for you. And, of course, what's-his-name... Yo, yo, yo. ...in the morning. Old what's-his-name. Who likes to monkey around. Now, you look at this poll, and you see your physical appearance has got 30 votes. It's almost in first place right beyond your political beliefs. Right. And uh, this is very sad. And this is what most of us think, including me, but that's bad. Einstein, there's a good example. Was he an attractive-looking man? <laughs> Not by a long shot. Oh, my God. How about FDR? Here was an old man in a wheelchair. 
Did that define, did the fact that he was an old man in a wheelchair, did that define who he was or what he was? Of yeah, course he, not. He had that cigarette holder. Which well, he look did look classic. very distinguished. Right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. How about Abe Lincoln? I think if we took a poll hey. on the ugliest president, he'd probably win it. He had a look. Oh, yeah, he had a look <laughs> all right. In fact, the reason he had all that facial hair was to cover up all those warts and crap and zits That's on his face. Right. He was gruesome, man. Hawk marks. Oh, did that have anything to do with what he was? No. Of course not. See, this is America's problem. We're all too uh, caught up in this crap about what somebody looks like, okay? That's fine if you want to have sex with them or if they're a sexual fantasy to you. That's great. You look at them, you squeeze yourself a little bit or you stick your finger in some orifice, and that's great. But, my God, just like, for example, tomorrow night's Smallville, episode number two, which you better not miss it this week. Okay. Oh, this is the one that's supposed to be erotic and uh, right. Clark gets all uh, hot and bothered and like... Squirt, squirt. No, I don't think that far. Let's not get carried away. What would happen if you did that, by the way? I think maybe a new ocean. <laughs> don't get in front of it. Wouldn't you think? Possible. But at any rate, I mean, Tom Welling, there's a good example. He's a great-looking guy. Like Norma Kent says, he's gorgeous, and yada, yada, yada. And he could be an asshole for all we know. Do, we, do you know him? No. I don't know him. So he's nice to look at for us fags and for the women out there, but he could be an asshole. So the, how he looks doesn't define who he is. Oh, speaking of Norma Kent, by the way, tomorrow's the big day. Don't forget. All right. Have you? I see you already had forgotten. You can't do that. Tomorrow's the big day, folks. 8 to 9 a.m., WFDL 1400, the Norma Kent Hour. One of the most embarrassing ex uh, exercises in uh, radio history, okay? But we get promoted on that show. Oh! So we have to find a morning show somewhere that will promote this show and even mention my name, and Norma will do that with no problem at all, or else. Well, I tell you, look at that poll, boy. They just they can't get it. 142 votes. Which of these do you think best defines who you are? Your political beliefs, 33. Your physical appearance, 31. Which is, see, in fact, you know something? See, there's not any point in my taking a poll and giving you the correct answer, but it's like a little bit of instruction, a little bit of a helping hand to the audience out there, to people who are a little less astute than I am. Mm -hmm. Your physical appearance should be last. Yes. Last. It should be, but... No, it's not debatable. That should be the last in the uh, choices. That should be the last one. That has the least to do with what you're all about, is how you look. But it determines so much about how you're treated, like you just got done saying. I'm not, we're not talking about how you're treated. That's not the question, okay, Mr. Hotshot? That's not the poll question. The poll question is who you are. What you're all about is on the inside, not how you look on the exterior. And because we live in this narcissistic goddamn world right. where everybody's got to be young and beautiful... Or otherwise, I have no time for him. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. I well, know. so well, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not putting no. that down. But the fact of the matter is that doesn't tell. And that's why you have so much uh, divorce, by the way. That's one of the reasons. People get married. They're young. They're 18. They're 20. They're whatever they are. They get all hot, hot and excited and morning, because right. somebody looks good. And then they find out after a couple of years they married an asshole. Right. Somebody who's a lousy lay. Somebody with a real crappy attitude. Somebody who's real bitchy and nasty and hostile. Somebody who's a pain in the ass to be around all the time. Somebody maybe who's getting out of shape. Somebody who smells bad. <coughs> Whatever. Somebody's got a bad wig. Yo, yo, yo. Whatever it might be. Anyway, getting back to that result. 37 say your political beliefs. That should be number two. Your physical appearance, which should be last, 34. Your nationality, 29. What does your nationality got to do with what you are? You know, some people with... are professional ethnics. Oh, I see. That's right. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm Cuban. I'm Jewish. Well, congratulations. We'll go get you a Juban sandwich. <laughs> your gender, 24. 
your sexual orientation at 11 there. And I started to pick up a little bit. See, I think they were afraid to say that in the beginning. We're not just talking about for fags like me, okay? All you straight people, you think about sex just as much as I do, which is like 99% of the time. Your religion, 10, and your race, 8. Well, that, now, see, that belongs second to last, your race. Because sure. one thing about them dark folks. Youth pastor resigns over porn. Members of the Old Cutler Presbyterian Church yesterday accepted the resignation of a popular youth minister who stepped down from his post after admitting he had an addiction to adult pornography. Oy! During an emotional closed-door meeting following morning services, a contrite Matthew, Matthew Lamenic told more than 150 parishioners that he felt obliged to resign from his post to seek professional help and save his seven-year marriage. Flanked by his wife, Dee Dee, Lomenick, who resigned after his wife discovered porn on their home computer, said he would not hide from his fellow congregants at the church at 14401 Old Cutler Road, whose members live in Palmetto Bay in Pinecrest. Instead, he said he needs their love and compassion to heal from his addiction. Heal! He needs, so, what's his name? He so, needs Ernest Ainsley. That bitch gave him up? She found the porn? She discovered the porn. It's like it's like those high school students who were ratted on their, uh, when they were showing that porn movie in the uh, cafeteria. And she opened up a big mouth, causing him to lose his job over adult pornography? Well, maybe she didn't get to see it. I was living in isolation, he said, after the meeting. I don't know how it affects other people, but I know how pornography was affecting me. It was eating me up. It robbed me from me, uh, me and my wife. <sighs> Lamenic's heart... I'm just reading this because it's, it's so sad. Yeah, it's so I, pathetic. Yeah, it's tragic. Lamenic's heartfelt speech was met with tears, applause, and a standing ovation, said Didi Lamenic. People then stood in line to greet the couple in an embrace. Sunday's meeting capped a week of controversy over whether Lamenic's decision should have been dealt with internally, not aired publicly from the pulpit. The Reverend Mike Candidian, Candidian, whatever his name is, the church's senior pastor, announced Lamenic's departure during a congregational meeting last week, saying he wanted to dispel false rumors and be honest with his parishioners. He also said that because Lamenic is an associate pastor, he needed to announce his resignation because it has to be ratified by a congregational vote. He did nothing illegal, but as a minister, he has to be held up to higher standards, Candidian said. In this changing world, we have to stand up to the per pervasiveness of porn. Ooh, the pervasiveness of porn. Kanji and added that the church is supportive of Lamenic. No wonder they threw Al Goldstein's ass in jail, you know it? Kanji and added that the church is supportive of Lamenic's decision and wants him to remain an integral part of the church's community. What Matt did was a beautiful thing in the most difficult of circumstances, and we're all very proud of him, he said. Since Lamenic's addiction became public, the family has received an outpouring of support from the community, said Dee Dee Lamenic. She said during the past week they've been flooded with phone calls, flowers, and meals from friends and supporters. We're not going to run away. We want people to see that we're real people with real problems, and with help we'll be able to make it, she said. And through this, we're all going to become stronger and more together. Lamedic said that after years of struggling with his addiction and living in isolation and fear, he finally feels a sense of freedom and a closeness to his family that he hasn't felt in years. I finally felt like a family, he said, and it was beautiful. How do you like that, huh, you pervert, you ass-looking maniac? That fucking bitch. Exactly. See, just be glad you're not married to her, okay? I think you've got problems. Well, you do. Yes. Twelve minutes Nine after more. ten at 560 WQM. There's never been a better time, a smarter time to buy a new home or refinance your existing one than right now. How about an amazing rate of 3.95%? That's right. Financial Group can offer you an unprecedented 3.95% by picking up the phone and calling them toll-free. 1-800-940-LEND. That's 1-800-940-5363. The money you're going to save is incredible. 
Think about it. You can get yourself a $100,000 loan for only 450 bucks a month or a $200,000 loan for only 950 bucks a month. The process is simple, and you're going to save thousands and thousands of dollars each year. Just pick up the phone and call Todd's good friends at Financial Group, 1-800-940-LEND. There's never been a better or smarter time to get you a low interest rate. Call Financial Group, and you'll be on your way to some big savings. Financial Group is an equal housing lender. Credit restrictions do apply, and rates are subject to change. So call them now, toll-free, 1-800-940-LEND. That's 1-800-940-5363. Live and local, this is Sports Radio 560, QAQAM. It's day Miami Town at 560 WQAM. I am Mohawk with the decrepit and I'm ancient. All over my old face are blue and reddish, boys bold-faced. I don't know why they hate me, or why they always rape me. It must be cause I got this blue and reddish, boys bold-faced. A vein pop on my arm like a Rand McNally map of what I got veins on my nose and nobody knows that under my clothes I wear pantyhose. But that don't mean that I'm gay. If you think my arms are bad, you ought to see my legs. I might as well keep them smooth and shaved to show a little glass the next time I'm raping it. I could go to a surgeon, but that gives me the shivers. I would not want to walk out looking like Joan Rivers. Uh, where am I? I fired the beast, the fat little freak. I did him a favor. Now he can't afford to eat. The reason I dismissed that stinking fat bastard is because he wouldn't shut up and he can't play canasta. Hey, somebody talking over there. Nobody talks when I rap. I rap, then you talk. Hey, look at me. I'm hip, hip. I ain't no square. I'm a ding-dong Betty, man. I'm really dead. I fire anyone I want. I don't care. Especially if they make me flip my wig made of smelly green hair. I got fired myself. It even happens to the greats. Westwood once said, you get out of here or else we break your legs. So now I sit by the pool. Life's as good as it gets. With my paladin cocktail, placing bets on the Jets. In paradise. Paradise. I don't kiss nobody's ass in paradise. I'll be slapping down the spookins when I get the chance. But the cleaners aren't ready with my lime green pants. How long does it take? Kelly calling complaint. It was just a little thought. So what? I left this thing. Yeah. You think that's funny? Want a knuckle sandwich, buddy? I can do what I want, because the management loves me. Can I tell you something, Mo? Something you ought to know. For the longest time, I wanted you to be my hoe. You have my type, pal. Now answer me. Pal, no. What are, you, what are you doing? I don't take no for an answer. Get out of here. Not you. Get out of there. Get up, bitch. Ten eighteen at five sixty. George on a comb there, by the way. Oh, have you looked at the uh, turn over to CNBC right away? Not not for long, just briefly, okay? Oh my God. Oh, wait, wrong one. Okay. CNBC, the gambling channel. There's that uh, Canadian guy with a big mustache. Whatever the hell his name is, he used to be on CBC. Oh my gosh, look at that. It's only 10.18 in the morning, boys and girls. On a Monday morning. And all we can say about the market today is... Right. The Dow is down 213 point and the Nasdaq a little over 34. Wow. But at any rate, you want to buy some cheap stock? Is there any other kind? Hey, we got some Enron, 12 cent, baby. Eight, eight, uh, eight shares for a buck. 
Man arrested with box cutters at airport. I got a uh, Bill O'Reilly story. Can you believe? Would you? Uh, how much would you bet against uh, me reading a? Well, actually, Bill O'Reilly didn't write eyes. it. Pat Buchanan and Bill O'Reilly on the same day. Man arrested with box cutters at airport, Atlantic City. A Bulgarian national was arrested yesterday at Atlantic City International Airport after federal screeners found a pair of scissors embedded in a bar of soap and two box cutters hidden in a lotion bottle in his backpack. You just know what his response yeah, must have been. <laughs> he puts the lotion in the basket. Right. The 21-year-old man was charged of possession of a prohibited weapon. Egg Harbor Township Police confirmed he was being held on a $100,000 bomb, but didn't immediately release his name. Authorities uh, said the man was a student from Bulgaria with a summer visa, allowing him to work at an Atlantic City area convenience store. He was the last passenger to pass through screening yesterday for a flight from Atlantic City to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. TSA spokesman Robert Johnson be saying. When his backpack went through the x-ray machine, screener spotted the scissors and pulled him aside, he said. A search of the backpack turned up the scissors embedded in a bar of soap and the box cutters hidden in a lotion bottle, Johnson said. The concern was there may have been some effort to conceal them, said Johnson. He said the fact that the man's one-way ticket was purchased over the Internet in August also raised suspicion, a raised eyebrow or two. The man told authorities he packed the items that way to keep them from damaging anything else in his backpack, Johnson said. He said he bought the Spirit Airlines tickets so we could visit a friend in South Carolina before returning to Bulgaria. We're proud of the fact that our screeners caught it, Johnson said. Here's an example of the federal screeners doing their job, keeping these items off the plane, giving law enforcement a chance to sort through it. How do you like that? Let's hear it for them screeners. Oh! I bet you Ike Siemens is proud of them. What you think? One would think. Good old fuddy-duddy Ike Siemens, a silly goose who's part of what's wrong with South Florida. I'll tell you right there, boys and girls, NBC6's Ike Siemens, he's a big part of what's wrong with South Florida. Bill O'Reilly says O.J. did do it. This is in the Globe, so, you know, it might, uh, we, well, we already knew that. And the headline on the article in big red print, O.J. did do it. Oh! Which I think some of us have had a suspicion over the years. I mean, we weren't, huh? <laughs> we had an inkling. We weren't absolutely positive, but especially when he said, I killed Nicole. That kind of gave us a clue, you know. O.J. Simpson's longtime lawyer and good friend Howard Weitzman walked away from his murder trial after the football star admitted that he was guilty, says TV host Bill O'Reilly. The legal whiz quit barely a day after cops interviewed Simpson about the savage killings of his ex-wife Nicole Brown and her waiter friend Ron Goldman outside her Brentwood townhouse June 12, 1994. Boy, that's more than eight years ago. How come we don't celebrate the anniversary of that? We're waiting for the 10-year anniversary. Okay. It was a case I didn't want to get involved with in Weitzman said on Fox's show, The O'Reilly Factor. I'm in possession of information that no one has, perhaps except Mr. Simpson. Very early on, like within 24 hours of his interrogation with the police, which did uh, he did over my objection, I felt it was not a place I wanted to be. I, it was a moral and ethical objection. A lawyer's obligation when you defend somebody charged with a crime is to present evidence and facts. You shouldn't, in my opinion, create facts that you know aren't existent. A source close to the defense team adds, Weitzman got off the case because O.J. all but confessed to the crime. He told people in a circle, I don't remember doing it, but I guess I must have. It put Weitzman in a position where he would have had to manufacture a defense for somebody he believed was guilty, and that defense would have involved phony lines like accusing cops of planning evidence and blaming the victims for participating in drug deals gone bad. He wasn't prepared to do that, but Johnny Cockring and the other attorneys who may not have known what O.J. said were, as we know. Weitzman told O'Reilly that while the police extracted blood from Simpson, put the vials in their pockets, and drove back to the scene where the bodies were recovered, he would not have accused them of framing the NHL NFL Hall of Fame player. Well, he's on thin ice, maybe an NHL player. Hey, the Leafs could use him. They suck. 
Eddie Belfour sent him back. He also would have, uh, wouldn't have accused them of having a racially motivated prosecution. The Frank interview was blasted by Simpson's Miami-based lawyer, Yale Galanter, for Mr. Weitzman to go on the O'Reilly factor and imply that he had some kind of ethical obligation to leave the case as a crock of crap, Galanter told the Globe. How do you like that? It's a crock of crap. He wasn't terminated. He did leave, didn't leave voluntarily, but he was terminated. He didn't have a choice. He, they fired his ass. Simpson's former friend refused to comment when O'Reilly told him, I believe that something O.J. Simpson said in your presence incriminating him in this murder case, I don't think you're going to say I'm wrong. But he did add, the last word is real simple. It's the time that we shine the light on the conduct of some of the criminal defense bar. The system is about seeking truth and justice, and we shouldn't be allowed to create smoke screens and argue factual scenarios that we know aren't true or that we know aren't present, he be saying. How do you like that? So Howard Weitzman says, you've done it, O.J., you scumbag, you douchebag, you murdering son of a bitch. We hate you like poison. And I think we all can agree on that. Uh-huh. Except maybe for... Roy! Polygraph, speaking of a sensational case, notice how I have these lumped together. This is good. Good That's work. Right. Nice grouping. Polygraph flawed in Chandra Levy probe, question mark, says CNN. Police detectives in the Chandra Levy murder case are focusing on a suspect initially discounted after he passed a polygraph test in investigators now believe was flawed. The Washington Post reported yesterday. Ingemar Guandique, 21, has been in prison since July 2001, two months after the 24-year-old intern disappeared. He was imprisoned after being convicted of assaults on two female joggers in Washington's Rock Creek Park, the paper reported. Levy's disappearance last year generated national attention due in part to her links to Democratic U.S. Representative Gary Condit of California, who lost a re-election bid earlier this year. Police have ruled Levy's death a homicide, but haven't had previously they haven't previously identified any suspects. After Levy's remains were found in Rock Creek, Car uh, Creek Park on March, uh, May 22, 2002, you following this? I'm not. Okay. Some investigators re-examining the Gandike case were struck by similarities in the three crime scenes, the Post reported, citing unnamed law enforcement sources. Investigators then discovered that a Spanish-speaking interpreter, instead of a bilingual polygraph technician, was used in administrating uh, Gandike's polygraph, it said. Relying on an interpreter, according to legal experts, can skew the results of the test because questions are filtered through and possibly altered by the interpreter, it said. How do you like that? Right, so that it's not sense. Ingemar Johansson, it's Ingemar Gandike. And it may turn out that he's the murderer. He may be over the one. And then aren't we going to feel bad about uh, poor Gary Conduit? Are no. we going to want to no. give him an apology? No. Huh? No. Just because he was into all that rough sex, all that S&M, and was a lying sack of crap and a philanderer? I don't think so. No. That's because you're a hardened spick son of a bitch. Right. You're a hard, hard ass. Hard. That's all. I extend my deepest apologies if it turns out that he's uh, not. Do you believe it? No. Which of these do you think best defines who you are? See, this is a great poll because it's, uh, there are a lot of different opinions here. They're all over the place. And they really think there's no one definitive answer, even though I know better, because I'm a professional faggot. Anyway, the answer, your political beliefs, 45. Your physical appearance, 41. I'm, I'm embarrassed for you people that keep saying that. That's terrible. Your nationality, 36. Your gender, 33. Your sexual orientation, 15. Your religion, 10. And your race be having only nine. Your race be having only nine. Because we have this really broad-minded audience out there. They don't make judgments based on race. They don't say, oh, look at that silly Schwarzer over there. Okay, look at that Aunt Mama. They don't say that. They're thinking Aunt Mama because of her physical appearance, because she's big and got a big, fat belly. And looks like Aunt Mama, right? Looks like she's ready to whip out some flapjacks. Huh? Yeah. When it down, whip it out, Aunt Mama. I could go for some flapjacks. You know, yesterday mm. I went to the brunch at the J. Muggs down there next to the Eaton Center. Okay. I've told you about that great Sunday brunch they have every week. 
which yes. you forgot. No, really, it's the best. It's the best Sunday brunch I've ever seen in my life. And of course, there are millions of Mueller. It's great. And I resisted. I kept my honor. I didn't have any of the uh, French toast or any of the uh, pancakes. Mm, oh man, I, I don't, you know how few, uh, you know how they have those how the hot dishes and you pick up the uh, metal the the top the lid. Right. Yes. And you look in there, and I picked up the one lid, and I saw the French. So that, that thing went down so fast, oh. man. I slammed that lid back Good on there. Good French bread when it's nice and firm. Oh, man. Not too eggy. Oh, my God. Can I change my mind? Look at that. 221 in the negatory on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and the NASDAQ's down 34. But it's early in the day, okay? Just relax. It can go down a hell of a lot more before we're done. 1027 at 560 WQAM. Tom Lehman and Hallett Pontiac GMC would like to help you out. They'd like to put you into a great new car, truck, or SUV at Hallett Pontiac. And the deals are, as always, unbeatable at Hallett because they're doing 0% financing again. With approved credit from GMAC, you can actually get 0% finance still up to 36 months on all 2003 Pontiacs and GMC models or take you a rebate up to four grand on all 2002 Pontiacs or GMC models in stock. You know, this is a classic example of how what a bunch of slackers we have in our sales department because other than just give me a you know piece of copy from the agency Bob Eisenberg could like take the muskrat off his head long enough to really sit down get some information on the great new 2003s talk about price talk about some you know what I'm saying what are you saying I'm saying that uh, this is crap just words on a sheet of paper that's what WQAM advertising is all about boys and girls words on a sheet of paper not something really great something sensational something that's a hook something that's going to get people off the ass and say hey let's go down and see Tom Lehman right now and say that sounds pretty goddamn good about those new 2003s because we have a bunch of slackers back there while Screw Ann is busy with her six-headed dildo, okay? Sprawled out on a goddamn floor. Check out the complete line of GMC SUVs while you're in Hallett, including the Envoy voted by Motor Trend as SUV of the year and the all-new Pontiac Vibe SUV that we've been raving about for a long time. And as far as dependable pre-owned cars, trucks, SUVs, they got a, a whole lot full of them. As far as credit's concerned, even you deadbeats out there, which we have many in this crowd, no problem. They'll cut you a deal at Hallett if they never see you again. They don't care. So if you want an unbeatable deal on great Pontiacs and GMCs, including those brand new 2003, see Hallett Pontiac, 13401 South Dixie Highway, U.S. 1 across from the falls. When you go down and talk to Tom Lehman, ask him, how come you do business without a butt plug like Bob Eisenberg? Hallett Pontiac GMC, we are professional grade. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Did he tuck it or did he cock it?
just be my son. The kind of bitch we like. You know how to do it right. You got a date with OJ tonight. Roy! Oh. 1033 at 560. You see, she's schlock, and as a result, the entire sales department, the way we operate with everything is schlock. Our engineering is schlock. Everything we do is schlock. We're schlock radio, and we're proud of it, okay? We're proud of it. Don't be knocking us, okay? We're QAM, we're schlock, and I'm the one guy in the year, honest enough to tell you, we're schlock, and that's the way we like it, all right? I don't care. You know what? I don't care if they send me a bunch of Charmin up here with the words of uh, commercials printed on a goddamn piece of toilet paper. If that's what they want, believe you me, as long as those checks keep showing up, I don't give a crap, okay? You got it? I got it. To quote the great Christopher Darden, okay? I don't give a shit anymore. One of the great bald-headed schwarzers of all time, although not quite up to the level of Troy Stratford, but nevertheless, he's working on it. Chris Darden. I don't give a shit anymore. And he meant it when he said it. Believe me. Especially after getting into that Marsha Clark. Can you imagine that? Yeah. The two of them? Yeah. Ooh. And she was another one they were trying to make into a sex pot. I know. That would be a good poll question. Who is the bigger sex pot? Chelsea Clinton... Amy Carter or Marsha Clark. Oh, and what was the uh, Barbara Walters thing the other night? Oh, it was about that broad that married Eric Menendez. <laughs> I actually, I was channel surfing and I actually uh, saw that. Talk about a sad, 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 sad puppy. Her husband died. and She's a very attractive young blonde thing. She's, really? uh, she's cute. And uh, they've never had sex, of course. And uh, she gets to, like, uh, kiss it and hold it. I mean, kiss him. Once in a great while on her visits to jail, but and he's never getting out. He's in there forever. By the Why way, do people. Yes. By the way, something. The pizza loft opening time is 11 a.m. Oh, it's only 25. We ought to have a countdown. Oh, pizza loft. All right. In fact, you know something? I got a great way we can kill like 25 minutes. We can have a 25 minute drum roll. What do you say? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Let that clock go, baby. <laughs> Twenty-five minutes from Mark, we have the uh, grand opening of the Pizza Loft and Plantation. This is the most exciting thing to happen in Plantation since I moved there, and that's a long time ago. And the people in Plantation are too happy about it, especially the city fathers. They're always giving you a hard time, man. Always busting your balls. Oh, you got a satellite dish. You got this. You got that. Screw you guys, okay? You don't like it? Jam it. Sick and tired of these blue noses in the Coral Gables and in Plantation and in Coral Springs, all over town. And Weston, isn't Weston where, like, everything's smoking outside, I think, is illegal. <laughs> everything's illegal in Weston. And Suds ain't too happy about it either, because we know what he's smoking. Bush plan on fetus benefits sparks debate. Oh, this from the Boston Globe. Boy, there's a lot of good stuff coming in here, and I got... If you could see my pile today, man, even Mo don't have piles like this. Unbelievable. Well, I guess I better get right to this one. I haven't read it yet. Let's read it cold. What do you say, huh? I The Bush administration's decision to extend federal health benefits to fetuses is... Oh, no. Oh, no. This can't be for real. Israel. By Ralph Rinelli, Boston Globe today. Is likely to have more political than practical fallout in Massachusetts, where most low-income women are already eligible for prenatal care under several existing state programs, state officials and advocates say. The move billed as promoting parental, uh, prenatal care when it was announced by administration officials last week represents the first time that any federal policy has defined childhood as beginning at contraception. See where this is going? Conception. I know what it says. Starting in November, unborn children... 
Unborn children will qualify for government health benefits, a change praised by abortion foes, but ripped by abortion rights advocates as a thinly veiled attempt by the administration to push an anti-abortion agenda. And they are... Absolutely correct. You bet. Although states will not be compelled to cover developing fetuses, any state may choose to pay for such care through the State Children's Health Insurance Program, or SCHIP, a program for low-income children that share a shared responsibility of the federal government and states. Robert P. Gittins, the State Secretary of Health and Human Services, said over the weekend that officials will study the program to see how it will fit within the context of existing programs here, meaning in Massachusetts. Yep, there you go. Love those fetuses, baby. All the fetus huggers are at it again. Here's a little follow-up for you on that Chinese poisoning story. Remember that story, of course? Yes. yes. Sure makes you want to go to China, don't it? No. Not. Boy, I, I tell you, I, maybe you've got a point about them. Wonderful, wonderful people, crappy government, and then that dog thing. And then the poisoning thing. Well. The owner of a snack shop was tried and sentenced to death after he confessed to killing 38 people by poisoning a rival's food in the eastern Chinese city of Nanjing, a court official said. Chen Shenping. See, you're right. If you say it much faster, it's better. Chen Shenping was sentenced uh, this morning after a trial in Nanjing's Intermediate People's Court, according to an official in the Criminal Court Division. Reached by telephone, she confirmed the sentence but would not give her name, of course. The poisoning, September 15, also sickened up to 300 people. So 38 dead, up to 300 sick. The website Chinanews.com reported that as Chen was taken to court amid heavy security uh, this morning, residents lined the road to watch and praised authorities for acting swiftly. More than 20 police vehicles formed a convoy to escort Chen to court, the website said. After an intensive manhunt, Chen was apprehended September 16 aboard a train in Sengzhou, a city about 600 miles northwest of Nanjing. Chen, the owner of a rival snack shop, confessed a day later to spreading the poison, according to the official Xinhua News Agency. He said he was resentful over his rival's success, official media said. Authorities have tightly controlled information about the poisonings and didn't release a death toll for four days. The website of the Communist Party newspaper, People's Daily, reported shortly after the poisonings that most of the victims were school children and the two were soldiers from a nearby military installation. China has suffered poisoning attacks in the past blamed on business rivalries or people with grudges. In July, a noodle shop owner in southern China was arrested on charges that he poisoned customers at a rival business by putting rat poison in soup sold there, sickening 57 people. Tests on the Nanjing food identified the substance as a <clears throat> brand of rat poison called Dashu Kuang, which has been banned for sale. Uh, don't be uh, eating that stuff. No. Banned for sale in China since the mid-90s, according to the Nanjing Agriculture and Forestry Bureau, which said it is still widely available in rural areas from illegal producers. Death sentences in China are automatically appealed. Executions are typically carried out immediately after the final appeal. Like right now, okay? There's your last appeal, and that's it. Next. Right? right. Let's take you right out in the middle right. of Tiananmen Square. And thanks a lot. No thanks. <clears throat> 20 till 11 at 560 WQM. I'll tell you one thing. I don't know what it is, boy, but I sure feel full of piss and vinegar today, you know? Maybe this week is going to be even faster than the last two. And before you know it, I'm going to be back there. Oh, God, say it isn't so. Don't worry. Say it isn't so. No. We saved please, the mug for you. Please tell me that it will not be happening, that I will not actually be back in South Florida. Oh, a fate worse than death. Which of these do you think best describes who you are, best defines who you are? Your political beliefs, 47. Your physical appearance, 44. They can't get off of that. Your nationality, 40. Professional this, professional that, professional Dago, professional Cuban, professional uh, Jew. Your gender, 34. Your sexual orientation, 16. Your race, 11. And your religion, 10. So there you go, George. You're in last place. Oh, well. Believe it. 
if you love your home but you need more space, what do you do? You're probably scratching your head wondering right now. Like Greg, you've probably got your head in that little, your finger in your hole. Do what hundreds of other people are doing. Call Strictly Additions, whether you're having a baby and need another room, if you're converting a carport or patio into living space, if you're going into business for yourself and want to make a home orifice, call Strictly Additions because they'll do a stupendous, unbeatable job for you. They're your one-stop shop, your more space for your place, place with an absolutely positively worry-free approach to expanding your living space. Those no-shows by the contractors will not happen with these folks. Incomplete work, no way, Jose. No unexpected bills, no worries about the job not getting done right, and they take care of every possible last detail. They drop your blueprints. They get the building permits, handle all the inspections for you. Strictly Additions has got an easy five-step approach to total customer satisfaction. First of all, they call to schedule a free project evaluation appointment right in your home where a project estimator will determine the scope of your addition. You might even gargle with some. Secondly, they schedule a bid appointment in their convenience showroom where you'll get a detailed proposal and an exact price to the penny for the work. Third, select your finishing touches. You go to contract. Fourth, review the design architectural drawings. And then fifth, you sit back with a big smile on your puss and relax as your dream edition moves on. With on schedule with unbeatable quality. How can you beat that? So give Strictly Editions a call today at 954-791-8100. They serve all of Broward and South Palm Beach County. 954-791-8100. They're licensed, they're insured professionals, and do a spectacular job for you. Check out their ad in the yellow pages. 954-791-8100. Tell them that Neil Rogers told you to call Strictly Editions. Oh, I had the drum roll queued up. Hey, that might not be bad till 11 o'clock. Live and local. This, this is 560. The radio is all yours. QAM. It is so huge. Bonjour, can I help you? Yeah, I couldn't restaurant for sale? Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, uh huh. What's your name? Patrick. Patrick? Yeah. Uh, so I thought you supposed to talk to someone named Fu. Who? Fu. Okay, hold on just a second, okay? Yeah. Hello? Hello? Yeah, who's speaking? Hello? Yeah, hello? Who's speaking? Hello? Uh, hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, you got a restaurant for sale? Uh-huh. Uh, how much you want for the restaurant? Well, you come over here to look at it and talk to the boss. I come over maybe eat, eat dinner with you. Okay. Uh, does uh, that price include, uh, all the walks? Huh? Huh? Come on. Come on, that's all. You're Chinese? Yeah, Chinese. Okay, you come over to the restaurant. To Two hours, huh? Two hours? Two hours, huh? Two hours, huh? Okay, how about I get all to go and then I come over and pick it up and look at restaurant? Okay. Okay? What you have? Uh, you know, you know where you are? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Uh, 你好,我是張家。OK,阿比哥姐。OK,我先來台灣家。你等你來從老闆家哈。大家好。Hold Police estimated about 2,500 people turned out for the peaceful event. Demonstrator threat uh, to shut down the nation's capital and disrupt meetings of world financial leaders during the weekend fell flat, and all protesters had evaporated from city streets by dusk yesterday. However, protest organizers insisted their goals were met, drawing attention to those seeking more money for global AIDS research and calling for changes in world economic policies. 
It's been a highly successful couple of days, said David Levy, who was the only protest organizer to show up for yesterday morning's news conference to evaluate the demonstrations. Police had prepared for as many as 20,000 demonstrators, but during the largest event on Saturday, a much smaller number filled a five-block-long stretch of a four-lane street as they shouted opposition to policies of the World Bank and the IMF, which were holding their annual meetings nearby. No, we didn't change the state of the global economy, said Zoe Baldwin, 21, a college senior from Garfield, New Jersey. The main purpose for most of the demonstrations is basically a huge outreach tool, and there's nothing like having a big tool to reach out with, right? Meetings of the global financial institutions have been a magnet to violence, scared of a scarred protest since 1990. It goes on. We know all of that. Don't we know all of that? Yes. Mm-hmm. We know it. Well, let's see. Boy, I tell you, you sure uh, faxed me a lot of stuff from the New York Times. A lot of stuff from that New York Times. But before we have a chance to get into that, our favorite uh, two-gooder. <laughs> The woman videotaped while allegedly beating her four-year-old daughter, according to police, was arrested on misdemeanor charges Friday of providing authorities with a false address. Madeline Gorman Toogood, 25, allegedly gave a fake address to her probation officer. She turned herself in Friday night and was released minutes later on $2,000 bail. According to Deputy Rachel Wolvos of the St. Joseph County Sheriff's Department in Michigan, Indiana, which had issued an arrest for her on the charge of falsifying information. A court date has been set for October 10, Wolvo said. The misdemeanor is punishable by up to six months in jail, according to St. Joseph County Prosecutor Chris Toth. Toth said the address Good gave, 1808 East Bristol Street, was actually a dry cleaner in Elkhart, Indiana, in a strip mall, and address her husband listed on his driver's license as well. <laughs> Maybe they live in a dry cleaner, huh? Which driver's license would that be? The one that uh, had his picture on it. We still do not have a permanent address for this individual. That continues to concern us, particularly because we're talking about the welfare of little Martha Tuga, the four-year-old daughter, Todd said. Obviously, we were well aware that these individuals had a transient lifestyle, and there was some history of fraud being involved in their background. Yes, yeah, some history. Her attorney, Steve Rosen, said Tugood was very unhappy when he notified her about the new charges. She started crying. I said, Madeline, keep your composure, keep your temper, keep a smile on your puss. I don't want to see you crack, Rosen told reporters. And... In the Inquirer, so we know it is absolutely positively the Emmis, tot-beating mom's bizarre secret life about the very self-same Madeline Toogood to be true. Madeline Toogood, the mom caught on tape savagely beating her four-year-old daughter, has led a bizarre life, the Inquirer has learned. The mother of three belongs to the Irish Travelers, a group frequently accused of perpetrating outrageous scams as they move around the country and even use their children to rip off people's sources, told the Inquirer. The 26-year-old mom was caught by a security camera beating her innocent daughter Martha outside a Kohl's department store in Mishawaki, Indiana, after she was able to return some, unable to return some blue jeans. Oh, see, that's what she was pissed off about. Right. She couldn't pull off the scam. The gut-wrenching video was played across the country, sparking a manhunt that ended, manhunt that ended when Tugut finally turned herself in. It looks like Madeline Tugut is the most hated woman in America, said author Don Wright, an expert on Irish travelers. I can't say for sure what happened between Tugut and her daughter inside that Cole's department store, but I suspect one of two things happened. The daughter either said something to foil a shopping scam her mother had going, or the mother was ticked off for not being able to get a refund. In an exclusive interview with the Inquirer, Wright revealed the shocking secrets he uncovered in his more than two decades <clears throat> on research on the Irish travelers who rarely associate with outsiders. One of the scams they've become notorious for is buying campers or trailers, living them in them for a while, then finding a sucker to unload them for on an inflated price. The Elkhart, Indiana author claims some traveler men commonly target the elderly and built them out of thousands of dollars with various paving, construction, or home improvement scams, while the women are known for shoplifting and other deceptive hand-eye tricks. 
that they target the elderly because they're usually an easy prey. The traveler scams have ranged from a few hundred dollars to 20000 or more. Usually what they do is write a contract for a roof or paving job, complete the work with shoddy materials, and then move on to the next town so customers can't find them when problems arise. While the men are out doing improvement scams, women have some scams of their own. Shoplifting and refunding stolen merchandise are common among the women, but they usually only shoplift expensive merchandise, things that can be easily turned into plenty of cash. They'll shoplift the merchandise and return to the store days later, claiming not to have a receipt because it was a gift. They also have a fancy hand-eye trick that they do when exchanging money with bank tellers, or often they stand in front of a store and pose as an illegal alien who has a winning lottery ticket but is scared to cash it in because they'll have to present the cashier with an ID. Once they find a ticket to sell the invalid ticket to, they disappear. Even worse, Wright says, some travelers use their children in their illegal activities. Kind of like the gypsies. <clears throat> Just like. Most of the children only go to school for the few years it takes to learn reading and writing. And He said after that, their parents give them on-the-job training, taking them on driveway paving and shoplifting scams. The Inquirer investigated the hot-tempered mom's murky background, and we learned that Madeline has a history of misdemeanor arrests, and in May a warrant was issued for her in Texas after she failed to appear in court to face a shoplifting charge. Madeline belongs to a traveler group known as the Greenhorn Carols, says a family member. There are between 12 and 20,000 Irish travelers in the U.S., but not all traveler groups engage in criminal activities. However, Momster Mom Madeline has several aliases and almost 20 addresses she's used in the past 10 years, the family member charged. Until recently, the family was living in their new 42-foot Franklin camper on the South Bend East KOA campground. Well, don't you love those KOA campgrounds? Nice. Terry Marsh, owner of the campground, told the Inquirer the couple appeared to have a lot of money. Madeline drove a brand-new SUV, and her husband Johnny drove a new pickup truck with his company named Statewide Paving written on the side. They never mingled with anybody else. Johnny regularly paid their rent always in cash. The Inquirer has learned exclusively that the band of travelers too good is said to be associated with decided to split up after she became the most notorious woman in America. One group headed for Kansas City, while the others took off for Texas. Said the family member, most of our family is very angry at her for what Madeline has done, and we're all very embarrassed. She's replaced Susan Smith as the most hated mom in America, and nobody wants to be associated with her anymore. Plus, I guess she blew their cover is what it's all right. about. Lots of attention. They hate that. Yeah. Just like in a Godfather, huh? Godfather uh, 3? Yeah, sure, it's true. I make a, a Bella Figura, a good Bella Figura. <laughs> Remember that? Right. Yeah, maybe he'll make some of you famous someday, too, huh? Joey Zaza. Hey, Joey. Zaza. Gabor. <laughs> oh, here's some good news. Testing shows Nation now has enough smallpox vaccine for everyone. All right. Let's go uh, roll our sleeve up. By diluting long-stored doses, the U.S. now has more than enough smallpox vaccine to protect everyone in case of a bioterrorist attack, a top health official said yesterday. Testing some of the 86 million doses of vaccine that came to light last March shows they can be watered down and still offer potent protection against smallpox. Dr. Anthony Fauci, head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, said yesterday that the diluted vaccine has been tried on more than 100 volunteers to see if it still works. The results show this cash alone contains enough vaccine for everyone in an emergency. This is very reassuring, Fauci said. He spoke at an infectious disease conference in San Diego sponsored by the American Society for Microbiology. The latest smallpox case, the last one rather in the U.S., was in 1949, and routine vaccination stopped in 72. However, the Soviet Union stockpiled tons of the virus during the Cold War, and experts worry some of that might be used as weapons by terrorists. Many experts assume that vaccination will begin again once new smallpox cases were discovered. But last week, government officials said they're planning to offer a smallpox vaccine before such an attack to all 280 million Americans. You going to get yours? Yeah, I don't know. I already I'm got not. One. Yeah. I'm not. I got one. I still got the uh, thing on my arm. Maybe I'll get a matching one on the other arm. 
However, that would involve distributing vaccine that is still being made for the government. The first of that supply should arrive early next year from a Canvas Inc., which has been contracted to make 209 million doses. In the meantime, health officials will have to rely on batches of vaccine left over from decades ago if smallpox is somehow released before the new vaccine is ready. Until recently, the only known supply was 15 million doses of a vaccine called Dryvax made 20 years ago. Government studies showed it could be diluted 5 to 1, making 75 million. Well, on a course. Same old crap. And Tommy Thompson says he drank water out of a crick. <laughs> oh, man, how can there be so many stupid people on the loose? No wonder it's a dangerous goddamn world. You know what? Man. So many people in there walking around on the loose. Dangerous. One of the most dangerous things in the world is stupidity. Yeah. And if stupidity is dangerous, then America is a very, very dangerous place to be, I suggest. He drank water out of a creek. It's only an isolated incident. <laughs> Man, where did he find this bunch of yahoos? What cave did these people crawl out of? I mean, we know he found Condoleezza at Chevron pumping gas. 10.56 at 5.60 WQAM. We got the Mad Dog. All right. He's probably going to be really having his tail between his legs today. 48 to 30. Was that the correct score that I saw? Yeah, unfortunately. 48 to 30 for Kansas City. And didn't I tell you they had an unstoppable offense and nearly beat the goddamn Patriots last week? And yeah, the Patriots lost this day. Well, big deal. They didn't get trashed. They didn't get And plus they got screwed on a third and inches and then on fourth and inches. The third and inches wasn't even close. But nonetheless... We'll take it like a real man, like Tom Brady, like a real man, like me. Four minutes till 11 at 560 WQ. I'll tell you who's not a real man. That's Todd Dreck. We have some stories about Todd who spends a lot of time in Davy, which we're going to be giving you later in the show. By now, I'm sure you've heard the incredible earning potential of computer professionals. You've heard me talk about the incredible demand for certified computer professionals and how much money they're making. You've also heard me talk about the great people at Fast Train. So it's time to do yourself a humongous, gigantic favor. Pick up the phone and call Fast Train at their toll-free number, 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. You can complete your program, get certified in just four short, quick months, and be on your way to a brand-new, higher-paying career like so many other people are doing. Fast Train has got four convenient locations in Dayton Broward. We know there's one in Pembroke Pines. There's one in Kendall now, brand new. The other two, we haven't got a clue. Fast Train has got convenient day, evening, and weekend classes to fit your schedule. They've got a full-time job placement department with over 30 years' experience. So don't delay. Don't be another Todd Drag that keeps procrastinating and putting off the inevitable. Pick up the phone and call the good people at Fast Train toll-free at 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Or check them out on the web, if you like, at FastTrain.com. And tell them that Muff Lindsay told you to call. Sports Radio 560 QAM. When you're into a romantic mood with your guy and he wants to tap that alternate input, are you put off? Do you find the thought of that kind of thing just too uncomfortable to even consider? Well, now there's a solution to that dilemma. Famous Anus Expansion Cream. Just put a dab of Famous Anus around your pucker. And in just a few minutes, your third input will expand a full four inches, making anal a breeze. So don't disappoint him. Get a tube of Famous Anus. You'll bet your ass you'll love it. Pizza love. If you want to go Italian and see Jeff Cohen's ponytail, you'll have great Italian food that's made by a Jew who has lovely painted nails. Oh, yeah, he's going to be licking his wounds today after his Dolphins got pasted yesterday in Kansas City. But that's okay. It's only one ball game, okay? The most important thing is the brand-new Pizza Loft is open right now. I bet you they just opened the door. They just swung it open. Let's hope. 
What do you mean, let's hope? Confidence is high. I right. just swung the door open. I bet you my good friend Marcy was their first customer in there. Free meals for Marcy, by the way, Jeff. And you notice how I played that anal thing right before Pizza Loft Jingle? Yeah, what's that? Because I hear it's two for one. Just a rumor, but I'm hearing two for one pencil thin anal vibrators in honor of the grand opening. What other person would they, would they do that at uh, Olive Garden? No. Pencil thin anal vibrators? No. I don't think so. At Pasquale's? No. No, this is the only Italian restaurant in the world where you get a pencil thin uh, anal vibrator. International Herald Tribune reprints this column by Dean Murphy, New York Times. One nation under surveillance. I think I'm going to go turn my air conditioner on, okay? All right, want me to play some music? Well, I mean, for like, it's going to take two seconds. Don't be playing that fruity gourmet crap, okay? we got enough problems already. Maybe he'll turn to the priesthood. You think he'd be perfect? <laughs> I did like that show, though. That's the sad part of it. They had some great footage from Italy. Big Brother's reach spreads to small-town America, writes Dean Murphy in the New York Times today. Porterville, California. This is the kind of place, small and out of the way, where people keep count of things taken for granted elsewhere. Three McDonald's restaurants, including the one in the Walmart. One Starbucks, new. Nine screens at the Galaxy Theater. Seventy-three jobs at Mervyn's Department Store. But even in this town, pushed up against the parched foothills of the Sierra Nevada, where oranges and dairy cows appear to be as plentiful as people, at least one big city item creates a little excitement. Surveillance cameras, asked Donette Carter, the Portable Chamber of Commerce. Offhand, I couldn't tell you. With the recent arrest of that woman in Indiana, Madeline, who made security camera videotape beating her eyes across America, has drawn new attention. But what security and privacy specialists have long known might surprise people in towns like this, the surveillance equipment is everywhere, not just in big cities and in obvious places like Times Square or outside the White House, but also in Porterville and Mishawaka, Indiana, and hundreds of other places. More often than not, private rather than public hands are controlling the lenses, as was the case in the Indiana parking lot. There is the very deep notion of private property in our culture that if you can own it, you can do what you want with it, said William Staples, a University of Kansas sociology professor who's written two books about surveillance. That has contributed to the proliferation of surveillance cameras on the private side. It's only since 9-11 that the public side has been catching up with what the private sector has been doing for a long time. There's been much discussion since 9-11 of the growing role of government as Big Brother, with law enforcement agencies turning to tools like face recognition technology at airports and closed-circuit TV systems in public buildings. But Staples and other surveillance experts suggest the general debate should include tiny brothers, a term he and others use to describe the many private security cameras that most people don't think about or quietly tolerate. Tiny brothers might be less known, but they disturb people who worry about civil liberties. I don't know if we want to uncover everything that goes on, Staples said. The cameras function as a net-widening effect, catching all kinds of activities they may not have been intended to catch. The Security Industry Association, uh, Association estimates that at least 2 million closed-circuit TV systems are in the U.S. A survey of Manhattan in 1998 by the ACLU found that 2,397 cameras on, fixed on places where people pass or gather like stores and sidewalks, all but 270 were all operated by private entities, the organization reported. CCS International, a company that provides security and monitoring services, calculated last year that the average person was recorded 73 to 75 times a day in New York City. Uh, we went out and counted every camera we could find, said Ariel Jamil, a company spokeswoman. Some have dummy cameras, but the real one is looking at you from a different direction. In Porterville, four cameras are mounted above the entrance to Walmart. Mervyn's has one outside and one inside its front door. Some dangle above the tellers and banks on Olive Avenue, and others capture images of visitors and patients strolling the halls at Sierra View District Hospital. 
The town's biggest employer, the Walmart Distribution Center, has cameras perched like pigeons on its warehouses. The list goes on, and it's growing. For about a year, Tom Barcelo said dairy farmers had them watching his employees in a milking parlor on the outskirts of town. A few months ago, he turned the videotapes on to resolve a dispute that ended in a shoving match between two employees. Pleased with the result, Barcelos is adding cameras to monitor what goes on outdoors on his farm, which has about 800 cows. You never know when those cows are going to do something you got to have on tape. You wouldn't believe. It, it is more or less a precautionary thing, something to fall back on. He said, I understand the arguments against them, but I don't worry because I'm not doing anything wrong. I consider it security. The people with the biggest problems seem to have a guilty conscience and have something to, to hide. One of the U.S. biggest suppliers of video security equipment, Pelco, is based in nearby Clovis, California. Company officials said that commercial uses for the equipment far outnumbered public uses, even with new concerns about terrorism. Law enforcement officials almost everywhere have encouraged this trend. Videotaped images generally strengthen criminal cases and take a big load off the investigators trying to piece together a crime. Staples, the Kansas professor, said that public attitudes about the cameras had changed and tended to be too generational. When he speaks about his research to older audience, he said he inevitably hears cries of outrage and complaints about the infringement of civil liberties. Younger audiences, like a high school philosophy class he addressed recently, are far more accepting, having grown up with images of Rodney King being beaten by L.A. police officers and reality TV shows like Big Brother that extol camera-driven voyeurism. The 9-11 attacks have also created the sense that it's unpatriotic to oppose surveillance. In Quincy, California, a tiny mountain town in rural Plumas County, a three-term county supervisor is facing a recall by his constituents because of his stance on surveillance cameras. The supervisor, Robert Meeker, unplugged some surveillance equipment set up by the Sheriff's Department at a music festival last July. It apparently was intended to monitor drug sales. Meeker has since apologized for having used some extreme language in criticizing the Sheriff's Department's tactics and said he might not have opposed the equipment if somebody had told him about it in advance. Nevertheless... The recall petition accuses him of being against law enforcement, and many people in the Sheriff's Department are still angry with him. The very fact that you raise a question makes you suspect, makes you anti-American, Meeker said. How do you like that, huh? So if you're against surveillance cameras, even if they're looking deep into your... Rectum. You're anti-American, man. This is the new thing. I say, let's dig up Joe McCarthy and bring him back. On second thought, we don't need him. <laughs> right. We got better. What do we, need, what do we need him for when we got Trent Lott? He's a piker. A congressman who questioned U.S. efforts to, Iraq, to link Iraq to the Al-Qaeda terrorist network should come home and keep his mouth shut. Sentiment earlier, Trent Lott said yesterday. Did you see him? He was foaming at the mouth. Yeah. He was uh, had his pom-poms furling. Representative Jim McDermott, Democrat of Washington, who's one of three House members visiting Iraq to urge Iraqi officials to avert war by allowing U.N. weapons inspectors back in, has acted irresponsibly, Lott said. For him to be in Baghdad, the center of one of the most dangerous dictators in the world, with all kinds of weapons of mass destruction, to be questioning the veracity of our own American president is the height of irresponsible. And, then, and I noticed they, qu they quoted his illiteracy correctly. It's the height of irresponsible, said Law Republican of Mississippi. He needs to come home and keep his mouth shut. And they're screwing up all our plans. Yeah. McDermott said President Bush's goal of ousting Iraqi leader Saddam Hussein has overshadowed efforts to get Iraq to give up weapons of mass destruction, which Baghdad denies having. He also questioned Bush administration officials' recent contentions that Iraq and al-Qaeda are linked. Why do they keep coming back to this issue and keep trying to hook the Iraqis into that, McDermott asked on CNN's late edition with Wolf Blitzkrieg? My question really is, why do they want the regime change? I'd much rather have disarmament here. And what they're doing is really setting up to throw out Saddam Hussein. McDermott went further in an interview with ABC's This Week. I think the president would mislead the American people, he said. His statements also drew sharp response from Lott's deputy in the Senate GOP leadership, Senator Don Nichols, Republican of Oklahoma. McDermott and other two congressmen visiting Iraq, Representative David Bonnier, Democrat of Michigan, and Representative Mike Thompson of California, were taking the line of the Baghdad government, Nichols told ABC. 
Congress is moving toward a vote on whether to give the president the power to take military action against Iraq if he refuses to comply with U.N. resolution demanding give up weapons of mass destruction. Senator John McCain of Arizona called the Iraqi offer to allow inspectors a, to return a bit of a charade. And the beat goes on. Don't be unpatriotic, okay? And get back here and shut up your pie hole, said Trent Lott. Shut your pie hole, goddammit. He is, uh, he, was, he was actually foaming at the mouth. Mm. Or maybe he ate some bad Chinese. Pie. The refined uranium caught by Turkish police. Now, I'm sure you heard about this story. Yes. Well, guess what? It was uh, much to do about, well, I'm not saying much to do about nothing, but it was a fraction of what they originally said it was. Yeah. Not that they want to get people psychotic. It weighed far less than originally thought an official source in southwestern Turkey said yesterday. It was originally believed that the Turkish parliamentary police had seized over 15 kilograms of weapons-grade uranium in the operation. It also resulted in the detention of two men accused of smuggling the substance. The actual weight of uranium turned out to be hundreds of grams, a fraction of the initial estimate. Grams, not kilograms. The uranium is to be sent for test at the local atomic energy agency. The two suspects were brought before a judge Saturday night charged with the illegal sale of the material. Officers in the southwestern province of San Liurfa, bordering Syria and 250 miles from the, or 250 kilometers from the Iraqi border. What is that? 150 miles. Were acting on a tip-off when they stopped the taxi cab and discovered the uranium in a lead container hidden beneath the vehicle's seat, the Anatolian news agency said Saturday. The incident came at a time of bombing speculation. The U.S. could attack neighboring Iraq for its alleged program of weapons of mass destruction. Officials at Anchorage's Atomic Energy Institute would not confirm they'd been notified about the material. Our investigation on whether the uranium was destined for a neighboring country is continuing, a San Lierfo police official was quoted as saying by Anatolian. It was a fraction of what they said. Not that that's good, but it was like a teeny tiny fraction of what they said. How's that poll coming, Fatso? Oh, sorry. They don't like fat. Now, see, this is bogus again. Here they go. They're off to the races again, the cranks. You notice that? I don't know. 250 votes. Which of these do you think best defines who you are? Sure, because as soon as I said your physical appearance obviously is not correct, and I gave all those magnificent examples, right off, right off the bat it took off. Now, not, not as hysterically as usual, because now they're trying to be a little bit more coy about it. You're not feeling out fooling us, okay, Danny and all your other little boyfriends? You're not fooling us, idiots. Your physical appearance, 61 which should be in last place, your political belief, 53, which ought to be second, your gender, 47, which has nothing to do with anything, your nationality, 44, which also has, I mean, your nationality, you could originally be from uh, Croatian, and you could have lived, like, in Holland for 10 years, and you could have lived in England for 15 years. So what's your nationality? Whatever. Well, that's the point. <coughs> your sexual orientation, 18, your religion, 14, and your race be having only 13. Well, thank God for that. We don't want to have a bunch of racial crap on this show. That's the last thing that we want or need or can afford to have. Don't forget, come by the Castaway Seafood Company, located on the corner of University and Griffin Road. Tonight, 6 to 8 p.m., George will be there. Uh, Carlos will be there. Miguel will be there because there's free drinks. I mean, uh, drink specials. He'll have free. The QM Prize Van will be there with some really crappy, embarrassing prizes. And great food and drink specials also at, camp at uh, what is it? Castaway Seafood tonight. They love you there, I'll tell you that. They do? They're obsessed. You kidding me? All right. In good. the spot that's the last spot on the show today, everybody be sure and stick around for the last spot at 150, 12, whatever it is. Well, I love them. Oh, seriously, they mentioned that you're going to be there. The whole spot is about you and how much they love you. And also, speaking of race, the Schwarzes are invited as well, even when George is there, because they hey, do love you. I had a family come all the way up from Kendall because they heard about me talking about it over the summer. Darkies? Yeah, Jamaicans, no less. All right. We like those. And don't they like, like catfish? I didn't ask. Crawfish, catfish, things that like crawl, like around on the bottom. Bottom feeders. 
Twelve minutes after eleven at five sixty WQAM. Mattress shopping is a total waste of time the old-fashioned way. A lot of things you can't help doing the old-fashioned way. You know, it's just one way to do things. But mattress shopping—that's ancient. That went out with like high-button shoes and um, white bucks. The answer is to your telephone. That's how you shop for a great new mattress by calling Dial a Mattress Tool Free one eight hundred Mattress. Tell them that old fat boy told you to call. They'll get a real chuckle out of that. They'll say, "Hey, how's he uh, still wheeling around over there?" And you say, "Yeah, he's still still wheeling around and still dropping tracks." 1-800-MATTRESS. You pick the kind of mattress you like. The top brand name in the world, they got them all. Serta, Sealy, Simmons, King Coral. You pick the day in the uh, two-hour window for delivery, whenever it's convenient for you. You won't, you never have to worry about sitting on your ass all day, praying that somebody might show up, running to the window and looking and looking. Are they here yet? Because, you know, if you say noon to two, believe me, they'll be there between noon and two, and again, any day, seven days a week. And they give you that 30-day in-home comfort trial to check out your new mattress the smart way by sleeping on it. And exceptionally, though, unbeatable everyday prices, which uh, your department and vending store will never come close to, because when you do business with Donald Mattress, you don't have to pay somebody pay for a gigantic big overhead. 1-800-MATTRESS. Call them right now and tell them that old Neil told you to call. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. Or check them out on the web at mattress.com. Radio My country, we have no Negroes. Good morning. Owning a home lies at the heart of the American dream. It serves as the foundation of many Americans' financial security. And the good news is this. Less than half of all African Americans and Hispanic Americans are homeowners. We must prevent minorities from owning a piece of the American dream. So I have asked the Congress to join me in creating a second obstacle to minority homeownership, permanent complexity and difficulty of the purchasing process. But government action isn't enough. That is why I've challenged the real estate industry leaders to join with the government in a major nationwide effort to increase abusive and unscrupulous lenders with an overriding and urgent mission to prevent minorities from owning a piece of the American dream. And we are doing just that. Thank you for listening. And you're welcome. Look at that. The market's making a big comeback. What did I tell you? The Dow's only down 168 points. That's good. <laughs> And the Nasdaq's only down 30. What's going to happen when the Nasdaq gets down under a thousand? You know, it's 11. Uh, what is it? 11.69 right now. What's going to happen when it gets back down under a thousand? People are going to be jumping off tall buildings, don't you think? Yeah, that's right. They're going to be crapping their uh, drawers. Maria uh, Maria Caco uh, Coco, whatever her name is, writes in Common Dreams News Center. Democratic leaders advocate uh, on war policy, and she's right. This was uh, in Newsday. We've seen the soul of the Democratic congressional leadership. It is empty. The grave and unanswered questions that leading Democrats and highly respected Republicans raised about going to war against Iraq have gone mostly unanswered. So Congress is ready to march toward Baghdad. A congressional resolution is to give President George W. Bush the imprimatur of overwhelming bipartisan support for an offensive military action of unknown duration with uncertain allied support. The voting could start this week. Oh, a word will be changed here or there, a comma added or deleted. This is to make it seem as though caution and not capitulation drives these lawmakers. It is a lie. The point is to get on with it. The war, this war is connected to the basis type of politics, said Representative Dennis Kucinich of Ohio, who's waging a lonely struggle in the House against authorization for war. Fewer than two dozen colleagues have stood publicly with him. Bush's intent to turn the upcoming congressional elections into a referendum on his military and security leadership is plain. If the president's demand for a war vote before November was insufficient proof, his comment at a New Jersey fundraiser that Senate Democrats are not interested in the security of the American people should allay any doubt. With the stock market in the tank... Retirement dreams disappearing, job losses in the millions, budget deficits growing and middle class income shrinking. There's not much else for Bush to crow about. 
Democrats very much want to get back to these unpleasant topics and to make sure that they do nothing that allows Republicans to paint them as timid peaceniks of Vietnam-era vintage. And that, my fellow Americans, is the justification for this war vote at this time. Republicans weigh the cost of American blood and treasure against the benefit of steering another uh, bush clear of nasty economic patch. Let me try that again. Republicans weigh the cost of American blood and treasure against the benefit of steering Bush clear of another nasty economic patch. Democrats balance them against the enticement of campaign ads about Enron. Poor Al Gore, he raised in the San Francisco speech the very concerns about an Iraqi invasion voiced just weeks ago by Republicans such as Senators Richard Lugar and Chuck Hagel, but Gore seemed out of sync. Someone forgot to tell him it's unfashionable now to think. Kucinich and his small band of congressional naysayers are left to provide relief from this tragic abdication of responsibility. Kucinich is no political powerhouse. He's the type of quirky congressman who tends to be loved at home but commands little notice in Washington. His official website notices, notice, uh, notes proudly that he's one of the few vegans in Congress. Oh, you should like him. Not. <laughs> Nonetheless, and here's the good news, nevertheless, it provides a helpful link to the sausage shop in Cleveland, current special, eight brats, eight buns, eight bucks. How do you like that? I like that this special. Really eight brats, eight buns. Eight bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and you know how much I love my bratwurst. I'm mm. going to Cleveland. The nation came to know Kucinich as the boy mayor of Cleveland, but forgot his name after he was forced from office. After one controversial term, he mounted a comeback and won a seat by ousting a Republican incumbent after Newt Gingrich's contract with America proved to be too much for the middle-class district. Kucinich sensed early the cynical turn this war debate would take. In March, when Bush declared that politics ought to stay out of fighting a war, Kucinich begged to differ. Before we celebrate an imperial presidency, he said in a floor speech, let it be said that the lack of free and open political process, the lack of free and open political debate, and the lack of free and open political dissent can be fatal in a democracy. Few listen then or hear Kucinich now. He creates annoying static best tuned out. Of course, Kucinich might gain a respectful ear if he reminded fellow politicians that he is a liberal who wins in ethnic Reagan Democrat neighborhoods, a congressman from a coveted swing district in a coveted swing state. That's an argument too crass for him, but not for the rest of them. Very good article by Maria Coco in Newsday. Now, did the Beast ever show up for his black sack? Nope. Uh-huh. We're about to start rooting through it. The Beast never showed up for his black sack, which indicates to me that after being on vacation for a week and missing the way in last Thursday, that just maybe there can be only one of two reasons that he hasn't shown his disgusting, round-ass little puss in there. And Number one, he went off the uh, wagon. Ate a bunch of crap, put some weight back on. Or number two, he's too embarrassed. Or he, he's been intimidated into a position. He don't want to come in there and, and uh, tell a real story about why he's not producing that morning show anymore. Or both of the above. Three possibilities there. What do you think? I love eating nuts. He just showed up? <laughs> no, that's the only drop I have of him. Oh, it, sound, it sounded live. <laughs> no. It sounded live. He's busy eating. Maybe he's storing his nuts for the wintertime. I don't know. Maybe when he lost all that weight, maybe he actually found him. So the beast hasn't shown up today, which is a very, very disturbing piece of news, okay? I just mentioned that in passing. Pizza Loft, the brand new one in Plantation, is open right now. Get yourself, get your ass in there for lunch. You can be one of the early diners. I'll bet you they'll put on a good dog and pony show for you. They'll give you all kinds of inside stories about what a pervert George is. William Sapphire, and you notice how many columns I'm reading today by uh, conservative people? Right. Pat Buchanan, Fun. Bill O'Reilly on OJ, and William Sapphire, hardly a raving liberal, writes in the New York Times today, selling our secrets. He says they never learn. 
Remember a couple of years ago the scandals about the way corporate giants like Hughes Electronics and Laurel Space, led by Democratic big Democratic contributors, sold secret U.S. satellite technology to Chinese aerospace companies and semiconductor manufacturers? Remember how right-wingers like me got all worked up about our short-sighted government and venal executives placing the interest of international trade over the needs of national defense? I'm ashamed to report that the Bush administration is getting ready to let our ever-hungry multinationals do the same thing. This time, however, it would all be legalized. If current legislation, Senate Bill 149, the Export Administration Act, being urged by the White House to be passed, American executives would not would be encouraged to sell the fruits of their most advanced research to foreign nationals who may not wish us well. The arguments used by the merchants of American defense technology, one, selling technology overseas, that is, mass-marketed here, helps bring down our unit cost at home as well as benefits business. Two, we're only selling it for good uses, even though its dual use could help them penetrate our defenses. And three, foreign availability, they could always buy something almost as good from the Germans or the French. What's more, say the sell-anybody-anything advocates in the Clinton-Bush Commerce Department, because we have an embargo on sales to Iraq, relaxed export rules won't help Sodom. Last things first. Iraq buys dual-use nuclear components through cutouts who could easily buy them from us. Take high-strength aluminum tubes, for example, which can be used in bicycles, but a thousand of them in easily hidden gas centrifuges can produce enough weapons-grade uranium for one nuclear bomb every year. Under the proposed law, a country like Russia or Jordan could buy ours and resell them to Sodom with no weapons inspector the wiser. You like the composite glass fibers in your tennis racket? A sinister use is to form the rotors of those centrifuges, and their export has been controlled for nearly 20 years. No more if those who would sell our technology to multifarious middlemen have their way. Nor would our embargo on shipments to Iraq stop our leakage of secrets. China's Huawei Technologies, which could have been built for a decade without exported technology, violated the U.N. embargo by selling fiber-optic products to Sodom. He now uses them in his air defense system to jeopardize U.S. pilots. We shouldn't fall for the dual-use dodge. Germany's Siemens reported Gary Milholland of the Watchdog Wisconsin Project legally sold Sodom... Kryton electronic switches, which doctors now use to destroy kidney stones. When Iraq then sought 120 more as spare parts, it dawned on Siemens that the switches are also used in setting off the chain reaction in nuclear weapons. Bush can say that in his 2000 campaign he promised business leaders to lift export controls, but that was before 9-11. Now those controls, which worked well for decades against the Soviets, need strengthening, not weakening. Perhaps our National Security Council is beginning pressure from India and Pakistan, each of which wants our missile technology. By accommodating these nuclear powers, we might gain two allies, but would make the world a hell of a lot more dangerous. America doesn't need this dirty business. It amounts to only a few billion dollars in sales, and its military misuse through copycat reverse engineering, a Chinese specialty, cost American taxpayers far more than that to defend against. A handful of hardline senators, John Kyle, Jesse Helms, Richard Shelby, John McCain, and Fred Thompson wrote Bush this month to stop pushing this bill this year. They urged instead that he create a new bill that strikes the right balance between national security and trade, lest it cause public divisions among strong supporters of your administration at a time when cohesiveness is an absolute necessity. Some old hands remember the predations of yesteryear. Newcomers have to be reminded, writes Bill Sapphire in today's New York Times. How do you like that, huh? Wow, let's have a couple more. Yeah, let's put, you know, it's the old push with one hand and pull back with the other, you know. Push and pull and push and pull. Same old crap. 26 after 11 at 560 WQAM. Speaking of same old crap, that QAM copy, boy, that muff is doing it. Are we doing it since he came back to the station? No. Are we really on top of things? No. We're doing it, baby. Muff the Muffmeister. Don't be picking on her, okay? She's under a lot of stress. Hey, let me tell you, if you're under a lot of stress, if you're having trouble staying healthy because of the fact that there's all the allergies and the humidity and the crap in the air, here's a good product for you, Oleomed. 
It contains the best olive oil on the planet, along with vitamins and minerals and herbals to promote health for different parts of your body. There's one Oleomed supplement specifically designed to help your heart, one for your blood pressure, for your cholesterol, and one for your prostate, and that easy-to-take soft gel capsule you just pop in your puss. They also make supplements to promote health in your circulatory system, your digestive endocrine system, and your bones, your skin, even your mind, all using the benefits of that nifty olive oil. And Oleomed makes products for men and ladies as well. You can pick it up all over town now and the Oleomed too. Find some at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens. In fact, pick some up at, from Marcy at Walgreens before you pop into the pizza lot for lunch. Sedano's and Navarro Pharmacies too. For more information, call Oleomed toll free at 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED, which you can also order on their website if you like at oleomedamerica.com. Live, live and local. We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. Oh, God. Coming up tonight on Inside the Behind, the true Hollywood celebrity music biography profile story, we take a good, hard, stiff look into stardom. When a woman has only one hit song, she can either give up the business and work in retail, or simply marry Paul Simon and give a big f*** you to the world. Way to go, Edie Burkell. What I am is what I am, you, what you are. Well, um, I remember when I first recorded What I Am. I had been playing the clubs with my band, the New Bohemians, of course. And, um, well, we Yeah, just... that's really interesting, Edie. So what's Paul Simon like in the sack? What? He seems like kind of a nebbish, you know. But sometimes those short and neurotic guys have a pretty decent package. Look, um, could we, out of respect, talk about music? Okay, I'm sorry. Let's talk about music. Okay, thank you. That Paul Simon sure is some songwriter. I love You Can Call Me Al. Hey, hey, look, cut that out. You're right, Edie. I'm sorry. Let's talk about you. All right, then. As I was saying... What a f***ing brilliant idea. I mean, you have one hit, you can tell your career is going down the tube, so what do you do? You bang a legend. My hat's off to you, babe. You know what? I'm going to sue you people. Tell the truth. Has Garfunkel ever come over for a three-way? Go to hell! Edie Burkell. <laughs> it's so easy to piss her off. It's a big, juicy, sopping wet look at show business. Tonight on Inside the Behind. Didn't she used to live on Burkell Avenue, I think? <gasps> I wish uh, she That did. is great. I was there getting <laughs> better and better, those. <laughs> I know. 1131 at 560WQM. Thanks, Carlos, for the National Enquirer update on Rodney. No problem. Rodney Dangerfield freely admits that a recent Enquirer report that he smoked a joint in a hospital's intensive care unit is completely true, but he says he's got a perfectly reasonable explanation. My wife won't let me get high at home, he says. All right. Two weeks ago, we reported exclusively, and we had it here on the show, of course, that Rodney's wife, Joan, rushed the 80-year-old comic to St. John's Health Center in Santa Monica because he feared he was having a heart attack. And he stunned hospital staffers by firing up a marijuana joint while changing his clothes in the ICU. Marijuana comes Rodney's nerves, said his spokesman Kevin Sasaki, who revealed who revealed that his office was flooded by calls, all of them positive. After the inquiry story hit the stand. All right. Everyone wanted to tell him, "You go, Rodney. He's become a hero of sorts." Right on. Rodney has a medical history of heart problems, and he finds that smoking grass helps to lower his blood pressure. Right now, keeping his blood pressure low is an important part of Rodney's life. The comic will even write about his love affair with Pot in his upcoming memoir, It Ain't Easy Being Me, Sasaki Zagaki disclosed. Rodney was released from the hospital when doctors determined that his chest pains were not life-threatening, but by that time he'd already given everyone around him a dose of his medicine. When hospital personnel complained of the smoke, Rodney thought it was a riot. He warned every, wanted everybody to join in the fun, a source revealed. He told me he's been token up for nearly 50 years. He said, I was a hippie long before hippies were born. 
Rodney said he's been rolling his own joints for ages now and doesn't intend to stop just because he's a senior citizen. Smoking weed is something he's not ashamed of or tries to hide. Though his doctors haven't prescribed marijuana as part of his medical treatment, Rodney says he writes his own pot prescri prescription. He told a friend, it makes me feel good. What's so wrong with a funny man wanting to feel good? Where pot is concerned, Rodney would rather kick the bucket than kick the habit is what it says here. In the inquiry, so we know it's got to be true. I told you. You go, Rod. You go, boy. Boy, oh boy. I wonder what the uh, president and the DEA would say about that. Oy. Yeah, that's what they would say. They'd be gnashing their teeth again. We're fighting for freedom, baby. Everybody except our own. This is a great piece. Did you read this? Yeah, and that's why I faxed it. I was going to write a whole bunch of stars across the top. This of is sensational sure by away. Ted Rail, the case for regime change. Now, when you listen to this, of course, I know some of you are a little bit like that, so you're not going to understand it. This is tongue-in-cheek. Ted Rail, Rawl, R-A-L-L, Ted Rail. Rawl, Raw, Lou Rawls. Ted Rawls' latest book, a graphic travelogue about his recent coverage of the Afghan war, was titled To Afghanistan and Back is Now in its second edition. Uh, yada, yada, yada. So anyway, he writes this tongue-in-cheek piece, War Cry, The Case for Regime Change. New York, Making the Case for United Nations Intervention Against the United States. Iranian President Mohammad Khatami told the organization yesterday that military action will be unavoidable unless the U.S. agrees to destroy its weapons of mass destruction. In a much-anticipated speech to a special session of the U.N. General Assembly held in Brussels, Katami launched a blistering attack against American leader George W. Bush, accusing him of defying U.N. resolutions and using his country's wealth to line the pockets of wealthy cronies at a time when the people in this country make do without such basic social programs as national health insurance. Nearly two years ago, the civilized world watched as this evil and corrupt dictator subverted the world's oldest representative democracy in an illegal coup d'etat, said Katami. Since then, the Bush regime has continued America's systematic repression of ethnic and religious minorities and threatened international peace and security throughout the world. Thousands of political opponents and ordinary citizens have been subjected to arbitrary arrest and imprisonment. Basic civil liberties have been violated. This rogue state has flouted the international community on legal, economic, and environmental issues. It's even ignored the Geneva Conventions on the Treatment of Prisoners of War by denying that its illegal invasion of Afghanistan, which has had a destabilizing influence throughout Central Asia, was a war at all. Katami said the U.S. possesses the world's largest arsenal of nuclear weapons, weapons that when first developed were used immediately to kill a half a million innocent civilians just months after acquiring them. No nation that's committed nuclear genocide can be entrusted with weapons of mass destruction. Bush has invaded Afghanistan and is now threatening Iraq. We cannot stand by and do nothing while danger gathers. We can't wait for this tyrant to strike first. We have an obligation to act preemptively to protect the world from this evildoer, Katami said. As delegates punctuated his words with bursts of applause, Katami noted that U.S. intelligence agencies had helped establish and fund the world's most virulent terrorist organizations, including al-Qaeda and the Taliban <laughs> regime that harbored them. The U.S. created the Islamist extremists who attacked its people on 9-11, he stated, and Bush's illegitimate junta cynically exploited those attacks to repress political dissidents, making sweetheart deals with politically connected corporations and revive 19th century-style colonial imperialism. Katami asked the U.N. to set a deadline for Bush to step down in favor of President in exile Al Gore, the legitimate winner of the 2000 election, the results of which were subverted through widespread voting irregularities and intimidation. We favor not regime change, but rather restoration and liberation, he said. In addition, Katami said the U.S. must dismantle its weapons of mass destruction, guarantee basic human rights to all citizens, and agree to abide by international law or face the consequences. Most observers agree that those consequences would likely include a prolonged bombing campaign targeting major U.S. cities and military installations, followed by a ground invasion led by European forces. Civilian casualties would likely be substantial, said a French military analyst, but the American people must be liberated from tyranny. <clears throat> Katami's changes, charges, which were detailed in a dossier prepared by French President Jacques Chirac, <laughs> 
were dismissed by a representative of the American strongman as lies, half-truths, and misguided beliefs motivated by the desire to control a country with oil, natural gas, and other natural resources. National Security Minister Condoleezza Rice denied that the U.S. maintains weapons of mass destruction and invited U.N. inspectors to visit Washington to see for themselves <laughs> that our weapons are designed only to keep the peace, subject, of course, to full respect for American sovereignty. The U.N. is expected to reject any conditions for or restrictions on arms inspections. Experts believe that the liberation of the U.S. will require a large ground force of European and other international troops, followed by a massive rebuilding program costing billions of euros. Even before Bush, the American political system was a shambles, said Professor Salvatore de Luna of the University of Madrid. Their single-party plutocracy will have to be reshaped into true parliamentary-style democracy. Moreover, the economy will have to be retooled from its current military dictatorship model, in which a third of the federal budget goes to arms and taxes are paid almost exclusively by the working class, to one in which basic human needs such as education and poverty are addressed. Their infrastructure is a mess. They don't even have a national passenger train system. Fixing a failed state of this size will require many years. Oh, what a great piece that is. Wow. Thank you so much, whoever sent this. War Cry, The Case for Regime Change by Ted Raw. That should be on our website immediately, you know what? On its way. It is? I'm faxing it now. Well, that doesn't mean it's going to be on our website just because it's on our way. It's on its way to Eric. I see. I don't want to, like, jump all over his ass, but, boy, he sure has been a little uh, (laughs) quirky lately, you know what? Maybe that's good. Of course, he can't hear us anyway because he can't uh, hear the show. His internet connection is still screwed right. up. He has issues. Well, what does that mean? He has issues. We're in Florida, remember? Why oh, that's right. He's that? in Orlando. He's got issues. Uh huh. Maybe he needs tissues to wipe the goddamn uh, grease off his puss instead of issues. Maybe you ought to be watching that show on the Sunday. Tissues and answers. Two hundred ninety-nine votes. The next one will make three hundred on our poll. Which of you? See, I don't think they get it. Which of these do you think best defines who you are? Your physical appearance, 68, is leading, which should be in last place. Your political belief, 65. Your gender, 54. Your nationality, 51. Your sexual orientation, 24. Your race, 20. And your religion, 17. See, everybody reads that and thinks, uh, interprets it in a different way, like I did. Well, well, how did you interpret it? Well, it's like, cause, uh, yeah, obviously I think about sex all the time, but I think about food a lot, too. But if one of the options on here was uh, a gourmet, I wouldn't necessarily pick that. So, in other words, would you say that your taste in food best defines who you are? Nobody no, would exactly, say that. But, exactly, but I think about food a lot. You see, but, but see here's the deal. Here's the deal. Air, food and water, and sex. Those are the four things that are necessities right. for survival. Okay. Right. So how can they define you? I beg your pardon? Sex is one of the necessities of life. So but your you... sexual orientation, and see, most people out there are probably saying, well, you know, everybody's straight, so it's like uh, it's like a given. Everybody is straight? No. Everybody's no, the same on that, that scale of ten? I presume that the homosexuals think about sex, you know, as much. A lot. Right, as the rest of us do. A lot. A lot. Just like all you uh, goddamn heteros. Damn straight. Oh, sorry. 20 till noon at 560. Boy, I'll tell you, this show is flying by. And maybe one of these days, maybe Muffle will uh, develop a little cojon. He'll go in there and he'll sit down on uh, Screw Ann's desk and he'll open up his pants and <laughs> drop a big load on her. That's, that's what he ought. I told him to do that. Just go back there and take a big dump right on her desk. She'd probably think lunch was early, you know what? Bitch. Disgusting, smelly, nasty. Do- and, of course, they're all self-satisfied. They're going to Vegas because they made budget in July and August. Big stinking deal, okay? Schlockmeisters. Purveyors of schlock. People that don't want to service what you sell. Anybody can sell, okay? That's the bottom line. Anybody can sell. Service what you sell, right? Can we do it? No. Do we care about doing it? No. Will we ever do it? No. So what are you screaming about? That sounds good. 
Nothing ever going to change because we got a couple of... And what about Clarence? Do you ever see him anymore? Is he, I'm uh, in his office right now uh, on my way to the bathroom. He's in his orifice. Does he have his head in it? You see, basically, what are they the, do? What these are they guys do? have thrown in the towel. They've given up. And to me, that's a pretty sorry state of affairs when you got the... Now, not one, but now we got two people who can back each other up, who can stand side by side, arm in arm. Look, short this, of making the call themselves and writing the copy themselves, what are they going to do? They're going to tell them that unless we get some stuff that we're going to start scratching it out. All right. When in doubt, we're going to scratch it out. I have screamed. I have yelled. I've jumped up and down. I mean, you know, it's one thing to go along and say, okay, I'll be schlock too. But how, how schlock can you be before you finally say, this is not right. This is getting really freaking ponderous. Even uh, Casey Kasem would be embarrassed. It's getting effing ponderous, man. Is your conscience acting up again? No. 20 till noon at 560 WQAM for now. Uh, for, for now? For years, you've heard us talk about diets. Well, see, there we go again with that fat thing. And what do you look like? Are you a fat slob? People are desperate to lose weight, and there's one store that's going to help you do it with all the Atkins products, and that's Delights of West Boca. That's where they got every Atkins product ever invented, and this is still the uh, leader anywhere as far as the store is concerned. You go into your supermarket, they got maybe one aisle or a half an aisle where they got a few diet products. Delights of West Boca has got nothing but low carb and no carb and uh, sugar free products. Can you imagine a little low carb, no fat, delicious scoop of ice cream on a hot day like today? Is it hot? It's hot. How about over a thousand uh, low carb or no sugar products just ready for you to taste? Because at Delights of West Boca, you can always try it before you buy it, before you uh, reach into your wallet. And at Delights, it's 25% off all Atkins products all the time. That's kind of like the Rimmer philosophy on life. Try lunch before you buy it. From candies to cookies to snacks to breads to vitamins, Delights of West Boca has got it all with more great stuff arriving every day, like the newly controlled carb brownies. Oh, man, they just got in with four delicious flavors, peanut, coconut, classic, and cherry. I can't wait for you to try those. And they taste like your grandma's recipe, too. Delights of West Boca, located on the northeast corner of Glades Road and 441 in Boca. Opens, you know something? I haven't had some good brownies in years. Mmm, had some last night. Brownie fresh, hound? Fresh baked. They're open till 10 at the Delights, seven days a week. You can call them on their toll-free number, 1-877-LOW-CARB. And you know what else I haven't had in a long time? Fudge. Or check them out on their website if you like at lowcarb.com. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. Mandage, I f them There's an old saying that says, fool me once, shame on you. Can't get fooled again. Last time we were in Iraq, I guess we failed. Seems the more we snooped, the less we found. Hiding all his nuclear capabilities. Disappointing our inspection teams. Cause we got a face that he's a deceiver. There won't be a trace if we go back this time. We're out of luck Cause he's a deceiver There won't be a damn thing we'll ever find He thinks we are more or less idiots Thinking he can hide the stuff he's got What's the use of searching? What do we got to gain? Don't you know you can't trust Saddam Hussein? Cause we got a face that he's a deceiver. 
there won't be a trace If we go back this time We're out of luck Cause he's a deceiver There won't be a damn thing we'll ever find No 11.46, look at this. Robert Torricelli may drop out of the center race in New Jersey. There was a poll over the weekend in the uh, Newark Star-Ledger that showed him 13 points behind his Republican opponent. And, of course, he's been involved in that scandal, taking uh, illegal gifts from a donor. So Robert Torricelli may break out, and the Democrats are screwing around. they got a couple of other people uh, lined up. Good luck to them. Maureen Dowd, speaking of that, says, why? Because we can in yesterday's New York Times. Now, you're going to have to listen carefully to this. Okay. Stick your ear to the radio. Because it's a back-and-forth conversation kind of a thing. It's cute. Washington. The boy emperor's head hurt. All the oppressive obligations of statecraft were swimming through his brain like hungry koi. He summoned the imperial war tutor the Oval Throne. I'm confused, wise rummy, he confessed. Is the war preemptive, preventative, or preventable? Is Sodom fissile or fissible? What a creation is counterproliferation. Everything's moving so fast, it's a puzzlement. Why are we mad at Sodom? Because he wants to attack our country, the Mandarin replied. Why, the boy pressed. Because we want to attack his country, the tutor said. Why, the boy was insatiable. Because Sodom tried to destroy your dad. Why, because your dad tried to destroy Sodom. Why, because he's evil. Why, because he's pretending to go along with inspections so we can get bombs. Why, because we're pretending to go along with inspections so we can bomb. What is our smoking gun against Sodom? Reply hazy, ask again later. Why do you sound like a magic eight-ball teacher? We don't have the intelligence on Iraq, or we don't want to talk about it. You decide. But can we really tie Al-Qaeda to Sodom? Goodness gracious, Al-Qaeda is dangerous. Iraq is dangerous. We have to connect the dots of the future, not dwell on the dots of the past. It's unhelpful to get into a lot of detail because it just changes our capabilities. I don't understand. It's not possible to find hard evidence that something's going to happen down the road because you will have known it happened only after it happens. It's very, it's very difficult to get perfect evidence before an event occurs or even after it occurs. Preemption requires only pre-evidence. You flipped your cap, Rummy, the boy emperor wailed. Get me Condi. The problem with it, Rummy continued, ignoring the boys outburst, is that when intelligence is gathered, it's gathered at the moment. And then that moment passes, and then there's the next moment, and the moment after that. It is not possible to know whether the information that was accurate is still accurate. you follow me? But aren't we just killing our own Frankenstein monsters, teacher? Didn't we help build up Sodom when he was fighting Iran, and Osama when he was fighting the Soviets? How do we know which people we like now might someday do something that we would hate if we knew what they might do? Holy mackerel, my young Padawan, the risks of doing nothing are greater than the risk of knowing nothing and doing something. Why do we give intelligence to the terrorists in their jail cells instead of getting intelligence on the terrorists that put them in jail cells? Our intelligence agencies are dumb. Why can't we make them smart? Because we're too busy planning war with Iraq. Why are we attacking Iraq, which may someday team up with terrorists instead of Iran, which has already teamed up with terrorists? Midterms. Multiple choice, right? I hate those essay tests, but haven't Pakistan and Saudi Arabia also supported terrorists? Those creeps are our creeps. Can you explain the Bush doctrine again? Rummy, uh, Rummy, uh, I have no idea what that word is. We start with self-defense, which is legitimate, and journey up to anticipatory self-defense, which has to do with history and real estate. Then we follow the rising path of wisdom to prevention, which sounds something like more acceptable than preemption, which is about oil at $17 a barrel. Is Tom Daschle right that a war is political? Is the White House white? Why is President Gore running against me again? He's unpatriotic. We should give that guy a one-way ticket to Guantanamo. What's the difference between Guantanamo and Guantanamera? Golly. <laughs> Rummy says Sensi. S-E-N-S-E-I. What the hell is that? Sensei, sensei, sensei. Yeah. Oh, it's a sensei, like a martial arts teacher. Okay, Master. well, that's, that's rummy. Well, only one word. That's not bad for a Marine Dowd column. Pretty cute. Speaking of not too cute, here's the latest on Rosie. 
She is pissed off and fired up, baby. We got the tabloid stuff coming. Rosie, and then we got the brand new Oprah, lost 80 pounds overnight. And then we'll see, oh, and then the American Idol scandal, too. American Idol exposed. But first, Rosie, who's pissed off and fired up with the Inquirer, embattled Rosie O'Donnell quit her magazine because of the stress of fighting publishing executives was killing her, so says the Inquirer this week. Suffering from anxiety attacks, crying jags, insomnia, and binge eating from a refusal to cave into the execs, Rosie was advised by her therapist to simplify her life by cutting her ties to Rosie magazine or face grave health problems. You don't think she could have a grave... <coughs> but quitting the magazine has only brought on new stress. The car star could face a $100 million-plus lawsuit from the magazine company. Rosie was in the midst of a meltdown, and her therapist told her to do what's best for her health, a source close to Rosie disclosed. During Rosie's battle with the publisher of her magazine, she went into an emotional tailspin. She was having sudden anxiety attacks that caused her to hyperventilate and break down in tears. Kelly Carpenter, Rosie's pregnant lesbian lover, is devoted to Rosie during her time of crisis, said the source. Kelly is doing what she can to be supportive and to comfort Rosie, but it's been difficult. And Kelly is due to give birth the first week in December, so she has her own issues to deal with. As the inquiry reported... Rosie recently thought she was getting her emotional problems under control. She had started taking the antidepressant drug Prozac, and it seemed to be working. She's still taking Prozac, said the source, but the stress over her battle with her magazine caused her to have some real bad problems. Kelly tried to comfort her and get Rosie settled down. Rosie shut herself in her room with a TV on and ate junk food. It's not the best way to cope with stress, but that's what she did. In the midst of this nightmare, her therapist told her to uncomplicate her life, to dump the things that are giving her stress, and the magazine was at the top of the list. Kelly was all for it. And now Rosie's rebounded. She's given up her therapy, said the source. She's built an arts and crafts room in her house, and she goes in there for hours and sings and dances. Wouldn't you love to see that? No. Takes pictures, makes canvases, rips apart magazines, and does collages for the walls. It re totally relaxes her. It's great work. Rosie's on the rebound, and Kelly couldn't be happier. But not everybody close to Rosie was thrilled to see her quit the magazine. Her sister, Maureen Crimmins, was upset, the close source revealed. Maureen and her husband, Dan, who is Rosie's business manager, helped negotiate the deal with the magazine. Maureen begged Rosie not to quit. She pointed out that it may ruin Rosie financially, but Rosie said she had no choice. Now Rosie and Maureen's relationship is strained. It's very painful to Rosie because of how close she was to Maureen. Rosie said, I love my sister and I love her husband. They'll be with me always no matter what happens. Rosie publisher, Gruner and Jar, claims the magazine was worth some $100 million before she quit. Plus, the uh, company is, looking, is on the hook for another $100 million in subscription refunds it will have to pay. The publisher plans to sue Rosie for a huge sum, saying she destroyed the magazine. Rosie's very wealthy, but I don't think she has $200 million, said the source. And the inset in this article, that, that goes on with more of the same. But uh, she rips the Inquirer. Here comes some of the good stuff. My relationship with Kelly is rock solid. We've been together through thick and thin for five years, and we'll be together for 55 more, declares Rosie O'Donnell. Do you believe that? Do you think they're going to be together for 55 more years? No. 55 more. Or less. The Maybe she means days. I'm not talking about whether they're together. I'm not talking about the state of her health. The Inquirer recently published several stories about the popular entertainer's turbulent home life, including rumors of a breakup between Rosie and her pregnant long-term lover, Kelly Carpenter. To set the record dead, dead straight, Rosie stepped up for this exclusive in-your-face Inquirer interview. There is no way that Kelly and I are breaking up. My family is stronger than ever, and that's the absolute truth. I would never announce to America I'm with a person I intend to spend my life with and then break up a month later. Don't you know anything about what I stand for and what I believe in? Anyone who knows me knows I never argue with the truth. I don't care if people say I'm 300 pounds because I'm fat. I don't care if they say I'm gay. I don't care if they hate my haircut. I don't care if they say I'm going insane. I don't even care if they say I'm the biggest bitch that ever walked the face of the earth. 
I think she's starting to get warm, you know. <laughs> but the people who say Kelly and I are breaking up are just plain full of Schmidt, and I won't put up with that. We have three children and another one on the way. This is a family, not some fly-by-night Hollywood fling. Any rumors that I'm unhappy are not just true. I left my show willingly to spend more time with my family, which is Kelly and those children, and I'm ecstatically happy about it. I'm looking forward with all my heart to being at Kelly's side at the birth of our next baby in December. Then we'll spend the coming years giving these children the best and most stable home they could possibly have. Haven't you always thought that Rosie maybe belongs in a stable? <laughs> now that I'm no longer doing the TV show, I also plan to work tirelessly as an advocate for the welfare of children. That's my true calling in this life, I believe. I have that belief, and I have Kelly and our family and our love. Some people make a big deal out of Kelly and I taking separate vacations with the children, but that's something we do every year. It's called separate bonding. Kelly takes one child on a vacation for a week alone, and I take the other. This summer I went to Alaska with Parker, and Kelly went to the Caribbean with Chelsea. Last year I took Chelsea to Disney World, and Kelly took partner Parker to a dude ranch. We truly treasure this time alone with one of our children and don't want people to misinterpret it. We'll continue to do it every year. It helps bring us a family and actually brings us closer. Kelly and I are committed to each other as two people can be, and we have a growing family to raise and care for. People waiting for us to break up will be waiting a long time. And by the way, now, she said, I now weigh 212. Not 300 pounds, 212, okay? So at least she's given her weight out, which is more than I can say for some fat little tub of crap known as the Beast, who's uh, persona absentia today, huh? How do you like that? Maybe he's fat, got plans. Fat persona in absentia, what? Maybe he has plans. Plans for what? I don't know. Lunch? Dinner, supper, snacks, because whatever his plans are, they evidently don't entail whatever's in that little black sack. And they don't entail coming in there and coming clean about what happened with his job, his very short-lived job as producer of that morning show. But that sure didn't last long, did it? No, no, it didn't. Man, he was gone from there in a heartbeat. All he had to do that one time is make that comment about Moe's hairpiece, and that was the end of him. 11.56 at 5.60 WQAM. Speaking of schmutzy things like Moe's hairpiece, if your carpets are also not looking all that good these days, here's the answer for you. Don't don't give up. Don't spend a ton of money on putting brand new carpeting down wall to wall because all you have to do is call the experts at Dry Concepts and they'll solve your problem for you. No matter how desperate your carpets look and smell and feel right now, Dry Concepts will come in there and suck out the deep down dirt with their exclusive patented dry cleaning method. Nobody else in the world does it. And when they get done, your carpets are dry in a couple of hours. They smell like any fresh, and they look like you just had brand new laid right there on the floor. I've been using them in my house for over 20 years. Everybody, my relatives, my friends, my enemies, everybody I know, they're using dry concepts. They give you a written guaranteed price before they start the work, so you're never going to have like a bad surprise at the end of the job. Only a big smile on your puss. They also do a stupendous, unbeatable job of cleaning your furniture and drapery, spot dyeing, fiber protection, carpet repairs, implant oriental rug service, deodorization, and should a flood strike your home, complete water damage restoration too. They're the best in the universe. Give them a try. You'll never use anybody else again. In Broward, call Dry Concepts at 954-370-7778. 954-370-7778. In Dade or Palm Beach, call them toll-free, 1-800-248-5071. That's 1-800-248-5071. Don't forget, you can clean today and entertain tonight when you call Dry Concepts. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. It's the 12 to 1 hour. Oi, vey. Hey there, coconut heads. It's me, Janet Boobs of Granite Reno. And I am hot, man. I am P.O.'d. Just plain old hacked off. What in the name of Sam Hill happened is what I want to know. First they had trouble with dangling chads. Now they got these touchscreen jobbies that don't work worth a crap. 
I think they got them from JetBlue. They're some of them old ones they used to play electronic poker on. I mean, heavens to Betsy, this is voting. It's serious. I know that after the recount, I will be the victor. Actually, let me clarify. I will still be Janet, but I'll also be Victor. Capiche? I got half a mind to get my red Toyota 4x4 pickup and head down to Havana. I'll load up some locals and put this thing over the tap. The biggest problems were in Dade and Broward counties, two of my strongest areas. I mean, I personally slept with over 4,000 men and women in those aforementioned areas, which should have shipped, but instead, I got to put a hold ski on my new victory party. Ah, hammers and nails, I'm freaking. Not to mention in the middle of this whole mess of crap, one of my beans went bad on me. I'll bet you dollars to donuts that little bastard Ilian Gonzalez had something to do with this. Either that or that Dan Marino. I never bought into that whole isotoner glove dealy, Bab. You ain't heard the last from Janet Boobs of Granite Reno, Florida. You go, boy. 1201 at 560 WQM. Speaking of that... I'm going to wait. save the Oprah stuff for a minute because i got a couple of uh, education and economy. Wait, wait, wait. before you what? get into that, I love yes. eating nuts. We have uh, breaking news. Oh, we have a guest in the studio? Yes. And? I'm back. And He's back. You're back. Okay, and then uh, how could you be back at noon? Well, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I, I'm eating it right now. Yeah, you're going to eat a lot, like maybe crow right now, too, as a matter of fact. <laughs> oh, don't eat the crow, not on this show. Let's save that for Mo. Mo and the crow. That's the rumor I'm hearing, Mo and the Crow and Joe and Joe Mama. So uh, did you get on the scale? I did not. Is there a reason for that? Well, I was just on a cruise, so I'm sure I gained about 327 pounds. You know, for a guy that's desperately trying to lose, who's supposed to be the poster child for a very important sponsor of ours, Balance for Life, for a guy that we're trying to save your life, you sure seem to be going on an awful lot of cruises these days, you know? And, of course, what's one of the worst places you can go when you're trying to lose weight is on a freaking cruise when you're a captive audience and there's not a goddamn thing to do except stuff your ugly face. This is true. But it was a parent's vacation, so. A what? You know, my parents treated me to a vacation. They were with you on a, on a cruise? Yeah, yeah. You know, I hate to break the news to you, Mr. Sonny, but... When a guy gets, I realize you went to the University of Miami, which is a handicap to begin with. But when a guy gets to be your age and takes his parents with him on vacations, I uh, they took well, him. Come on, they they paid for it. Regardless, so you're not getting on the scale till when? Till Friday. We'll keep with the Friday schedule. I thought it was always Thursday, but I'm no, it, 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 that's it's... okay. I no, no, we're not going anywhere. No problem. Friday's fine with me. <laughs> I definitely okay. need the extra day. He's going to need the extra day to purge, me. purge, and <laughs> we understand it's balanced for life combined with a Karen Carpenter diet. We understand. Now, what's the story about your uh, morning producer job? Were you producing the Mo on Howard show this morning? No, 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 don't play that thing. That's okay to cover your own pansy ass, George. Don't be playing that for other people, okay? It's one thing that you're such a pussy, but don't put him in that category. He's got a big mouth. He's got one of the biggest mouths in that whole building, which is probably why he's not on that show. What, what, uh, what's the uh, story on that? Is that true that you're not producing that show anymore? That is true. And uh, is that by your choice? That is true. Not that I, not by my choice, but I'm not producing it anymore. Okay, we got we got to that is true. We got that answer. Okay, that right. was the first question. Right. Now there was a second question. Is that by your choice? No. 
Didn't you just tell me no? Didn't you say that? Are you are you trying to retract the answer now? I didn't say anything. I didn't answer your yeah, question. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Well, then how about saying something? Is it by your choice? Did you say I can't do the morning show because I have I need uh, I have a schedule, whatever, and I need other uh, responsibilities? Well, I am doing a lot now that it's football season. No, no, that that isn't the question. The question is, did you voluntarily leave producing the Mo Howard show? Yes or no? I love eating nuts. Yes or no? See, you already answered the question before. You let it slip out. Now now you're trying to like uh, put the answer back into the bottle. It's like trying to stick the goddamn genie back in the bottle when she's already out. And was there a specific reason given for why you were canned from the uh, morning show? I can wait. I got 55 minutes. He's stupid. No, seriously. Well, what was the reason? Oh, if we only had television. Yeah. What is he all red in the puss? No, I've never seen a fat man dance like that. Oh, when when he when he gets red in the puss, believe me, because he's as white, he's even whiter than you are. He's as white as a a sheet of paper I got in front of me here. So when he gets red in the puss, boy, it's like a, a lobster. And his head is nicely. I think it was a shaved. it was a mutual organizational decision. And you were involved in that decision. Okay, well, listen, it's nice to have you back. So, in other words, he got his ass canned because Mo is like playing Butch Boss again. First it was Carolyn, and now it's the Beast, and next it'll be Gildy, and anybody after that, okay? Because that's just the way it is on that show. Just one of those things. So, it's been, like I said, nice having you back, and all I can say is, is stupid. Yo, 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 let's rate Mo. There you go. Okay, nice uh, hearing from you. Get out of here. Don't don't be sucking around with us now, okay? Because uh, just you know, like like a little uh, a puppy that's been thrown out on the street, you know, running from door to door trying to find somebody to take it in, like a lost puppy. But I'm glad you had a great time on your on your cruise with mommy and daddy. That's very good. They were which helping to pick up chicks. What are you talking about? Which of these do him picking up chicks? Oh brother, yeah, maybe at a chicken farm, maybe at Colonel Sanders. Which of these do you think best defines who you are? Now, see, the word best, I haven't emphasized that enough. That probably should have been in italics, but I don't want to start jumping all over Eric again because he's another one, you know. In fact, Eric is perfect to be doing our website because he's kind of like gotten that, he's adopted that QAM philosophy. I think it rubbed off, you know, the kind of schlock. Like hey, the links are up there that you wanted. They are? Like I said, he's the best at Eric sometime, not usually, though. Which of these do you think best defines? Because obviously a combination of all of these defines who you are. Correct. But that, I mean, that, that's a given. That's no fun. The best, that, that word, which is the most important in terms of who you are, what you're all about, and what you think, and where you're coming from, et cetera, and so on. What do we got? We got certainly over 300 votes now. What's the total? It's 350. Zooming up there. And, and you're right about even... that one point, by the way. What is when that? When people are looking at this and they see your sexual orientation, they immediately think gay. Right. They think he's saying that because he's a fag, and therefore it right. makes him separate from everybody else. That's not the point. No matter, in addition to which, see, it's not something that you can choose. I don't care what those goyim keep trying to give you a pedal song and dance. It's that, it's who you are. You can't choose that any more than you can choose your race. Now, most of the other things on here, your political beliefs, you can choose and, you know, pick and choose and change. Your physical appearance, you can change that. Some to some degree. Your gender, you can even change that. There are people who are transgendered, have operations. Your nationality, people live in one country for ten years, they might live in another. Follow what I'm saying? You can change right. that. Right? Right. Your religion, you can change that like uh, ten times a week, like uh, Bob Dylan. <laughs> Bob Dylan, and what's point. his name too? And Cat Stevens. Right. 
your race you can't change and your sexual orientation you can't change. Which is why when some of the Schwarzes give a song, oh, you can't compare uh, gay rights with uh, rights for... Of course you can. Because it's who you are and what you are. Didn't choose it. You didn't choose to be black. I mean, would you choose to be black in America? If I could have the penis. You want black penis? If I could be like six feet Come tall. by the Castaway Seafood Company down in the corner of University and Griffin Road from 6 to 8 p.m. and bring black, uh, George some black penis. No, we have two of them in here, as a matter of fact. I can bring George will be there for the QM pro with the QM prize van and the Miguel and Carlos. Great food and drink specials tonight, 6 to 8 at Castaways. And bring George a picture of a gigantic black schlong, okay? Roy! Now, can I get back to this? Because the beast really let us down. I, I thought, you know, I heard that voice. I knew it was him. With that, bu that bubbly, ebullient attitude of his. And I thought, okay, here we go. We're going to get the naked truth. What's he got to lose at this point, you know? See, that's, that's what I don't get. He's already been canned off of that show. And because everybody in that place, other than me, even you, you're all scared of your own shadow. Oh, we don't want to say this. We don't, we don't want oh, to get what? canned from the station. And you're not going to get canned from the station for telling it like it is. For Christ's sake. Well, in your case, like I said, <laughs> I keep playing that thing, you know. But in his case, he's going to get canned. Yeah, you're right. He might not be yeah. able to be a Zagaki suck-up anymore. Yeah, he's, he's very disposable, a beast. Education, economy, principal subjects in Bush-McBride uh, debate. The first in-person showdown between Governor Jeb Bush, Democratic challenger Bill McBride, turned into a smackdown, Friday night, says the Herald, whatever a smackdown is. From his opening statement to his closing, McBride assailed the Republican governor's education record, charging that Florida schools are falling behind, teachers are being lost to better-paying states, and that only in the final weeks before the election has Bush undergone an election epiphany, concluding that crowded schools are a problem. A defiant Bush calmly and deliberately defended his record, suggesting that the Tampa lawyer, who has never run for office before, doesn't understand how government works. And he repeatedly criticized McBride for offering what Bush said were vague promises to improve Florida schools without saying what his plans would cause. Now, let me ask you this. Had Jeb Bush ever run for a public office before? I nope. mean, he ran and lost right. before he got elected. But did he ever run for anything before he ran for governor? No. Nope. No. He won't tell you how to pay for it, but it'll be higher taxes for you, Bush said. The verbal exchanges at the first televised debate was just the latest signal that the increasingly tight campaign to be Florida's next governor is taking on an increasingly testy tone with five weeks to go before the November 5 election. McBride passed up few opportunities to criticize the governor as Bush ticked off a list of accomplishments from his first term, claiming that Florida now enjoys the lowest crime rates in 72 and leads the nation in job growth. McBride declared that Bush was living on another planet. There are more and more people trying to do with less and less, McBride said. People who think the economy is robust should vote for the governor. Others who are worried should vote for me. Bush didn't let a chance go by to tout his accomplishments, claiming record increases in education and social services spending and improving environment and rising student achievement levels. The new poll, by the way, out uh, yesterday, 50 to 44. Bush is ahead. Not looking too good for Bill McBride unless we uh, get the... And of course, that's all going to depend on who shows up. And who's allowed to vote on November 5? Right, which roads are closed, which That's right. How many Schwarzes we forced to stay at home? Who shows up? How many turncoat Democrats like that asshole Ron Silver are going to wind up supporting Bush? You know something, Ron Silver? You ought to hang your head in shame, you idiot, you simpleton, you clown. And by the way, where's our new baseball stadium? That's the kind of crap he's busy touting. Crap. See, uh, and then this business about education, since when do the people in Florida care about education? On Crossfire the other day, they showed what's happened since Bush became governor of Florida in education. And I forget I forget which category we dropped from 44th to 50th. I think it was per capita, per capita spending on education. 50th, last, dead last. Nice going, Jeff. Oh! But since when do the people in Florida care about education? A state where the average age is death. They're too stupid to know how bad it is. I see. 
in addition to which, is the is the electorate going to let him off the hook for the, his part in, in rigging the presidential election of 2000 that gave us his brother and this bunch of merry fascists that we have in Washington right now? Are we going to let him off the hook for that? I'm sure not. And I got news for it. I got my uh, renewal voter card, and I told you that before when I was there for those few days. Right. And I'm going to vote early and often on November 5th. As a way of celebrating my birthday on November 5th, I'm going to vote 40, 50, 60 times. And I urge all you Schwarzers out there to vote at least 100 times, okay? And all you old Jews, too. And this time, get it right. Pat Buchanan's not on the ballot. Oh, you know something? Hey. I don't want to say it. <laughs> yeah. If he were running against Jeb, you got it, Pat. In, in retrospect. Yeah, in retrospect. Twelve minutes afternoon at 560 WQM. Boy, I tell you, this show is flying by again today. I feel like we're out of control. Like I've just lost control of the wheel. Kind of like Greg Reed. Because you were giddy this morning. Is that it? No, I see, I read some other conservatives, but not Liddy. Not him. I never, I'm not too crazy. Oh, you know something? He'd be good over there in China because he used to eat rats, remember? <laughs> That's right. Maybe they give him something that goes with rats. Yeah, Gordon. There's never been a better time to buy a new home or refinance your existing home than right now as I'm speaking. How about this rate? 3.95%. You heard right. Financial Group can offer you an unprecedented 3.95% by picking up the phone and calling Financial Group at 1-800-940-LEND. That's 1-800-940-5363. The money you're going to save is unbelievable, incredible. Think about it. You can get yourself a $100,000 loan for only 450 bucks a month or get a $200,000 loan for only 950 bucks a month. The process is simple, and you'll save yourself thousands of dollars each year. Just pick up the phone and call the people at Financial Group. There's no obligation. They'll explain it to you how it works. Call 1-800-940-LEND. There's never been a better time to get yourself a low interest rate. Call Financial Group, and you'll be on your way to saving a lot of cash. Financial Group, they're an equal housing lender. Credit restrictions do apply, and rates are subject to change. So call right now, one 800 940-L-E-N-D. That's 1-800-940-5363. Live and local. This, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. Push. Come and listen to my story about a man named Jeb, whose wallet was as big as his pasty swelled up head. He became a governor and dictator too, simply by having more money than you. Billionaire, that is. Dirty Deals, ex-presidential dad. In a real goober-gubernatorial race, the other goober's name was Buddy McKay. Had an ill-fitting suit and a skeletal head, and when they took his pulse, they discovered he was dead. Brain dead, that is. No brains, a backwoods rube. Now, Jeb represents the Christian Reich, but somehow got support from the Jewish journal kikes. Now they're all in a mass grave, buried very deep, and his wife wears a necklace of the fillings from their teeth. Jewish gold, melted down, of course. The Tallahassee Millionaires. Starring Heinrich Himmler as Jeb Bush, Ava Braun as Columba, Ariana Huffington as Granny, and Dan Burton as General Burkhalter. The Tallahassee Millionaires, brought to you by Zygon 8. 1218-560. It's a gas. You'll love it. Yeah, here's a guy that's trying to Christianize the state, who brings in a guy to head the DCF, who's one of the most unctuous uh, human beings ever to set face on the uh, globe. And here we got Ron Silver, good Democrat Jew boy from a South Florida. Oh, he's supporting Jeb Bush. Hey, Ron, you suck. And by the way, since uh, Jeb says everything is so wonderful, I've been sitting on this story for a while because, uh, I don't know, I thought it was uh, depressing. South Florida's jobless lines grow longer by the day. This was in the Sun Sentinel uh, the 20th, 10 days ago. 
South Florida's unemployment numbers released on 920 confirm what those on the unemployment lines already know. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Unemployment in Broward County in August jumped to 5.9%, up from 57 in July, and 5% a year ago. In Palm Beach County, the jobless rate went to 6.5% from 64 in July. A year ago was 6.5%. In Dade County, unemployment went up to 7.4% from 7.3 in July and 6.8% last August, 2001. Even while other areas of Florida and the nation are showing gradual improvement, there appears to be a backslide in the Tri-County area. Florida's jobless rate in August was 5.3%, down from 5.4 in July, and up from 4.9 a year ago. Yet some 40% of the state's unemployed are now in Broward, Palm Beach, and Dade counties. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Jeb. The metropolitan areas of Fort Lauderdale, West Palm, Boca, and Miami led the state in unemployment numbers after Fort Pierce, Port St. Lucie. The numbers are disturbing, said Mark Cheskin, a Miami employment lawyer and board member of the Society of Human Resource Professionals, but I believe it's even worse because it's not capturing the great extent of unemployment. Folks working part-time or at jobs paying much less than what they had before. They're not included in the numbers. Cheskin said another weakness in the job market is the large number of laid-off professionals, managers, and technical sales administrative workers have been especially hard hit in the recession. Companies are continuing to cut jobs rather than create new positions because of weak business conditions. Weak. It's weak, okay? How's that market doing, by the way? It made a little bit of a comeback there for a while. Is it still uh, moving in the right direction? Hang on, it's growing. Look at that, Cisco, 10.73. I know I'm on the uh, same spot. Ooh. Oh, it's only down 160 points to Dow. And the NASDAQ's only down 28. Yeah, we're going to have to consider these good days. Yeah, these are one of the uh, better days for you, okay? As the slide continues and your money continues to evaporate. But let's not worry about the economy because this outfit, they haven't got any answers for it. They helped to create it with their tax cuts for the rich, with all their empty bullcrap promises. As a matter of fact, you can get a Sun Microsystems now for like two and a half bucks. Want some? That palm is like, what, 77 cents? Oh, I think it's probably less than that. It was 77. It's probably like about 65 cents right now. So just look into your palm. Okay. In fact, you got a better chance of making cash going to a palm reader and let her tell you what horse is going to win the fourth race at Belmont. you got a better chance. Look at that. Cisco, $10.71. Isn't that the company they were telling us was the best company right. in the world about a year and a half ago? Cisco. When it was 65 or 70 or 75 or 80 bucks a share. $10 and change. Down half $10 a and, today. and small change. I'm watching that crawler. I'm waiting for a palm to come up. Maybe nobody's buying it. There it is. 73 cents. 73 cents it's down another two cents. Intel, $13.82. Oh, my God. The triple Q is $20.81. When I finally bailed out of this uh, crap after I'd had it and my appetite was uh, no longer sufficient to, to continue losing my ass, the triple Q's were like $32. It's 20, just over 20 bucks. Holy crap. And, uh, <coughs> Joseph, man. There's Cisco. Yeah, 1070. Yeah. And Palm is hanging right in there, Palm baby. It's 73 cents. Here's a stock. Here's a stock that everybody should own is Palm, baby. That's what they told us on CNBC, on the gambling channel. And every one of you on CNBC, including our friend Ted David, y'all ought to be in jail. Y'all ought to be in prison for promoting a fraud, for putting up, uh, oh, well, the new economy. Uh, you're right. They're the ones who promoted this crap. They ought to be out there on guy in the chain gang with Mitch Hirsch tied with the leg irons. Did I start getting excited about Mitch Hirsch? A little bit. Good. Good. Hey, Mitch. Oh, it always comes back so fast. But a beep, but a boop, but a boop. Yeah. Snake oil salesman. That's what they are. Broker. The more you give them, the broker you get. Okay? 
broker my ass. Including our good buddy up there at the, what's that other broker that was always faxing me that crap? Oh, well, Citrix, you can do this and you can do, yeah, you can stick it up your ass is what you can do. It's a $5 stock, okay? You can take your Schmitrix and, and stick it where the moon don't shine, okay? That's what you can do with your Schmitrix. 75.44. This is another new, by the way, in six years, new low. Right. I think we can make 6,000. And I think the NASDAQ can creep under 1,000. Yeah, it will. Poll workers train, this is great. Poll worker trainers rebel, rebel. That's the headline in the Herald Saturday. As many as 18 Miami-Dade trainers assigned to prepare poll workers for upcoming elections walked off their job in disgust. <laughs> Just as classes began for next week's two municipal elections. Their abrupt departures Thursday night forced election supervisor David Leahy, totally incompetent, and his deputy, Gisela Salas, to personally conduct training classes for the North Miami and Palmetto Bay elections. Several of the disgruntled trainers contacted by the Herald said that despite repeated pleas to Leahy and Salas, they were not provided with any new ballot information or reprogrammed Ivotronic touchscreen devices for Friday's training sessions at two area libraries. We walked out. The Avotronics weren't ready for the next election. We weren't told how the provisional ballots were to be handled, said Marta Gillette, a trainer who lives in Palmetto Bay. These are the trainers. These are the people who are supposed to train the poll workers, you understand? And they walked out. She and others said they were unfairly blamed for the chaos in the September 10th primary, which trainers said happened largely because the department overloaded training classes. The incident raises serious questions about whether Dade's poll workers will be ready for the November 5th general election, which will be much longer and complicated, needless to say. The county received unwanted national attention over widespread election errors. It's always unwanted worldwide attention. A report released last week by the county's inspector general said the elections department failed to respond to earlier warnings that poll worker training was inadequate. It recommended the department conduct more hands-on training, make training manuals more clear, and station a voting machine expert in every precinct. A plan by County Manager Steve Shiver to improve election performance in November calls for additional poll worker training from the county's Employee Relations Division. Those sessions are supposed to begin this week, next week, whatever week they're talking, next week. In letter to Governor Jepster, Shiver said the plan established a dramatically improved and increased level of training and that all training will culminate in mandatory testing for all poll workers. County officials said they were unaware of any widespread problem with trainers and that the incident may have been an isolated case involving the department's chief trainer. I would tell you the important message is that the course was completed, that Mr. Leahy himself taught me and taught it, and that the trainings continued regardless of any personnel issue. County spokesman Juan Medietta said. Juan Medietta said that. How do you like that? And if Juan Medietta said it, you know it's full of crap. Juan How do you like that, huh? Juan Medietta said. With Juan First he was in bed with Mayor Pinga Pequena, and now with David Leahy. Juan Medietta. Oh. With Juan Medietta. I want to puke. Salas reached late Friday, said she was unaware of any walkout or that trainers were concerned about missing training materials. She said materials for Tuesday's elections were delayed because information was continually changing. We knew it would be a tight schedule, she said, adding that training materials were completed Thursday night. Anybody want to make a bet on whether the, the uh, municipal elections or the November 5th elections get done right in uh, no. no chance? What are the, what's the morning line odds on that? Let's get Bino Cook on three days early, okay? What's Bino saying, huh? No, no chance. No chance in your pants. For the Beano counters to get a right in date or in Broward. Forget about that Miriam Elephant. They got, they got her, they got her stashed in a broom closet somewhere. Make sure she keeps her hands off of there. They got her making flapjacks in the back. Miriam Elephant. What are you laughing about? It's the truth. Don't she look a little like Aunt Joe Mama? I'm a waffle man, personally. Man. Oh, I like waffles. Mm-hmm. Although, I don't know, waffles are, 
Uh, kind of hard. A little crispier. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're right. They're better than uh, flatjacks. Flatjacks are... Get, they get wet when you put syrup. They're kind of like mushy, you yeah, know? Yeah, right. Unless you eat them real fast, because when you put about a gallon of syrup on right. it, you know, like, like blueberry but syrup. You get a nice yogurt. crispy Belgian waffle. Or elderberry syrup is really up. good. Oh. But then they sit there, and unless you really wolf them down, they get a, like a little uh, soggy. Yeah, no, wet bread. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Screw Ann's teats. We are Sports Radio 560. QAM. He was one of the biggest movie stars of the 80s. One of People Magazine's sexiest men of the year. But drugs and alcohol took their toll. The E! True Hollywood Story, Nick Nolte. Can you explain to me your current problems? Yeah, where do you want me? Yeah. Are you drinking? Yeah. Are you taking drugs? Yeah. Sex with prostitutes? Yeah. Are you wearing tissue boxes for shoes? Yes, that's right. Can you... Tell us why. Uh, where do you want me? Yeah. The E! True Hollywood Story, yeah. Nick Nolte, on E! Entertainment Television. Yeah, yes, that's right. Never liked him. I mean, I'm not saying that, that you know, is an excuse. He, he took some, uh, what the hell did he take? It's in the tabloids, but I didn't even bother cutting it out. He took some crap. Sterno? Yeah, he took some Sterno, and I guess it affected him. Uh... Hmm. <laughs> Never liked him. Whatever. Nah, can't stand him. You know who else I can't stand? See, here you go again. You can't stand this one. Uh, the guy that played Buddy Holly. What's his name? That really freaky guy with a funny Gary name. Gary Busey with the Gary teeth. Busey. I just don't, I don't like that name, you know? Busey. Well, what if his name was Gary Cooper? Well, I might probably like him a little better. That, that would be another one. How about your name? That should be on our poll today. Maybe your name says more about you. You know, like Gary Cooper certainly sounds better than Gary Pussy. 379 vote. No, there used to be a harness driver at Yonkers. His name was Marcel P-U-S-E-Y. I asked you this before. How do you pronounce P-U-S-E-Y? Pussy, right? Sure, why not? Okay. Well, I'm glad you responded. At least this time you weren't a pussy. 379 <laughs> votes. Which of these do you think best defines who you are? And I noticed he did not put that into italics or like uh, like uh, the word best. But that's okay. I don't want to get pushy with Eric because he's under He has issues. And he still can't hear us. And he still can't hear us. So that's probably one of the reasons he didn't do it. He, he really can't? He really can't. Well, what kind of a what kind of a setup does he have up there? For Christ's sakes, has he got like an online uh, with with string, string online? Maybe he's just been stringing us along, you know. Uh, which of these best defines who you are? And we realize it's a combination of all of these things that makes you what you are, you know. Like Todd Dreck, it's many things that make him a piece of turd on two legs. Your political beliefs, eighty-seven. Oh, I forgot to talk about Todd and his buddy Stephen Davy, you know. Your political beliefs, 87. Your physical appearance, 79, which is just, I mean, people are being honest, but I got news for them. I'm looking at this guy on the floor of the, uh, what's that guy's name there? Art Cashin, who's down there on the floor of New York Stock Exchange. I'm I mean, he's just, he's a, but, but, you know, he's, what am I doing on that channel again? Get off of it. But I'm looking at that guy, or like here, Richard Roth on CNN. Okay, he looks like a Jew to me, and he is a Jew. You know, he's got like, uh, he might be a good guy. I don't know. What'd you think? He's got big ears. He's got big ears, and he's got a long, stereotypical nose. He's got those glasses on. He looks very, very, I mean, like a stereotypical Jew is what he looks like. With a, Anyway, your political beliefs, 87. Your physical appearance, 79. Your gender, 76. Your nationality, 60. Your sexual orientation, only 31. Your race, 27. And your religion, 19. And, of course, the reason that this audience gives religion so little credence is because we have so many heathens on this show. Absolutely correct, sir. Thank God for that. Now, I don't know if I want to do that Oprah thing, okay? I'll, I'll think about it. I've got more important fish to fry. 
Record labels seek approval for online music sabotage. You ready for this? All right. Frustrated by the continuing presence of free music on the Internet, the recording industry asked for the blessing of the U.S. Congress on Thursday, last Thursday, to meddle with the online networks they blame for slowing their sales. Congress is considering expanding legal protection for record labels who resort to sabotage in their ongoing battle with peer-to-peer networks that allow users to freely trade music, movies, and other copyrighted material. The recording industry offered a glimpse into its tactics, which include blocking transfers and flooding the network with dummy songs and promised the House of Representatives subcommittee that they would not disrupt the Internet or reach into individuals' computers. I can't foresee any scenario where it would be in our interest to go into anybody's computer and delete a file, said Hillary Rosen, chairman of the Recording Industry Association of America, the RIAA. But some lawmakers worried that overzealous... By the way, how about that Trevor Kidd, huh? Oh! Thank God we got him up here. Because Eddie Bell for Eddie the Beagle, he's going to be on the first bus out of here. Along with Anders Ericsson. Hey, don't start with that hockey talk, okay? But some lawmakers... In fact, I think that's why Mo came on the air this morning. Because he's afraid that now with hockey season getting ready to start very soon, Geldy might do a little hockey talk. So he had to be there to be the buffer against that happening. But some lawmakers worried that overzealous copyright enforcement measures could end up targeting innocent computer users and said they didn't want to encourage a high-tech game of cat and mouse that could easily get out of hand. What are the implications for the Internet's functionality when the inevitable arms race develops as Virginia Democrat Representative Rick Boucher? Boucher noted that overzealous copyright enforcers have already mistaken a photo entitled Portrait of Mrs. Harrison Williams, 1943, for a song by former Beatle George Harrison and demanded that the Internet unit Internet provider, UNET, terminate the account of a customer who posted a book report on Harry Potter. The recording industry has aggressively fought peer-to-peer services since Napster gained widespread popularity more than two years ago. While the recording industry was able to persuade a California court to shut Napster down, it's been far less successful against next-generation services that are based overseas or operate in a decentralized manner. The industry has tried different tactics recently, targeting individual users with with automated tracking software and launching an ad campaign to discourage illegal downloads. Record labels have also turned to Los Angeles technology from Media Defender Inc., which floods peer-to-peer services with decoy songs in an attempt to crowd out copyrighted material. Media Defender President Randy Sapp said the company can also block downloads through a technique called interdiction, which closes off a user's hard drive to others on the network. The industry has used the decoy service heavily to a point where 9 out of 10 version, uh, versions on a peer-to-peer network may be empty shells, he said. Interdiction has been less popular, he said, as it may run afoul of anti-hacking laws. Well, there you go. Kazaa and Morpheus said after hearing that they've uh, seen few effects from recording company sabotage, and as Kazaa released a new version that allows uh, users to screen out unreliable files. Well, that's what uh, Carlos is trying to get me to load in there. Kazaa, Kazoo. I never said anything like that. Oh, that's right. He didn't say anything like that. No, I, I didn't do it anyway. I would. Well, what I, would I do that? Anyway. What is it? No, I, I know that. Anyway. I know that. That's what I've heard. Anyway, just briefly, I'll do this Oprah thing briefly, just to give the bitch, I mean, just give her a, you know, a little, a little touch. It says, this is in, what, which one of these rags is this in? This cow in the globe, no wonder. The globe, marginal. Oh, oh, Oprah, it says, what a stunner. The talk show queen was the talk of the town when she appeared at Hollywood's Emmy Awards looking absolutely fabulous. And friends have now revealed a startling story behind her amazing transformation, which cost a whopping 250 grand. Oprah spared no expense, says one pal. She racked up an amazing quarter of a million bucks in hairstylists, physical trainers, skin specialists, and beauty advisors. Flying herself and her team around the country really pumped up the bills, but in the end it came down to her hard work. The costly makeover turned the 48-year-old talk queen from frump to fantastic with every aspect of her appearance glowing. 
but it's her sensational shape that really catches the eye. In less than three months, Oprah lost about 80 pounds, hovering around 198 on her big night. This is supposed to be a bonanza, that she's down to 198. Hey. It seems that she just weeks ago, her weight had soared to 275 pounds, says one close pal. But Oprah was determined to make a big splash for the super special occasion. Day by day, she lost those pounds through determination, the power of prayer, and sticking to her plan, and not going on cruises with the beast. I am so sick and tired of these excuses, this uh, cruise crap. First of all, anybody with a brain doesn't go on a cruise in the first place. Oh, even, even man. if your parents pay? Nah, even, even if uh, they, they give you a hundred bucks. And somebody else paid. Even they give it to you for free. Have you ever been on a cruise? No. Don't. Don't do it. I mean, one of those, you know, those day cruises, those cruises to nowhere for gambling. I'm not talking about that. Okay. I'm talking about what he was on. I mean, no. what, what are his parents? A bunch of schleppers or something? Are they a bunch of idiots, no, his parents? No, they're, they're loaded. He doesn't need this. So, so what kind of parents has he got that their idea of a vacation is to take him on a freaking cruise? Why not take him to goddamn Amsterdam or take him somewhere to Paris? Take him to uh, somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Right. This is a guy who's probably never been anywhere. His idea of a big trip is going back to Boston for a weekend and going to a Brigham's Ice Cream and getting ten hot fudge Sundays. That's his idea of a great weekend, and I think it sounds pretty good. Maybe they wanted to go on a cruise and Stopping invite him Stopping off at Quincy Markets, get some of those great clam strips and some of the great chowder. Mm, and then going over to a, uh, huh? And then going over to Brigham's for like 15 or 20 of them little hot fudge Sundays. How many can you eat? Two. And then, of course, now he must have he must have fessed up to you off the air. What did he tell you about that morning gig? No, no, seriously, you can tell me. There, were, there was mutual unhappiness all around. How's that? So, in other words, he wasn't happy working the show. Mo wasn't happy with him. Yo, yo, yo. And that's uh, so they finally decided to go their separate ways. But see, Mo wasn't happy with anybody because I guess he wouldn't suck his ass enough. Isn't that basically what it comes down to? He didn't uh, suck uh, enough ass. I don't know ass. what the criteria for a good producer on that show is. No, I don't think there's been one invented. Maybe if he would have worn a bad, smelly hairpiece, put about a pound of cashmere bouquet in there, maybe they could have, like, rubbed, uh, gotten their heads together. Something like that. Or maybe they could have just got head together. I, I don't know. But it seems very interesting to me that more and more people I keep talking to, and they keep telling me the same thing about Mo. Yo, yo, yo. So it can't just be me. It's not that I'm a hard ass. In fact, you should see the email I got from Hank on Friday. I don't want to go into it. No, it wasn't about that. Although, I, at the end of the email, I did say, Yo, 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 let's rape Mo. So I'm sure I got a chuckle on the other end. But you never really know about those emails, you know what? Nope. Now, if somebody doesn't respond to your email, like within a reasonable amount of time, a day or two, what do you do? Just, just uh, forget about them? You put a hit out on them. Oh, that sounds good. I think I know where to find them, too. 12.40, 20 till 1. The Mad Dog's going to be along at 1 o'clock. He's going to be really dragging the old tail. He's going to have his uh, thing between his legs. He's going to be really pissed off and fired up. I know the Patriots lost yesterday as well. Nobody wins every week except for that one uh, great Dolphin undefeated season. But the fact of the matter is that the Dolphins got pounded yesterday and gave up 48 points. That great vaunted Dolphin defense made Trent Green look like goddamn Y.A. Tittle and Johnny Unitas all ball rolled up into one and Joe Montana too. Throw him in there. Man. And then you look, you look like on the Palm Beach Post they had this poll about why the Dolphins were 3-0 and and who they gave credit to. Jay Fiedler had only 2% of the credit for when they were 3-0. Now that they lost their first loss of the season, and believe me, it won't be the last, now that they got their ass kicked yesterday, who's most responsible if you check the Palm Beach uh, Post poll? Uh, Jay Fiedler. They don't like you, Jay. I mean, don't take it personal. Maybe it's because you're Jewish, you got a big nose, you went to Dartmouth. I don't know what the reason are. Maybe because you replaced Danny Marino, who was very popular. Danny boy. But the fact of the matter is they don't like you. 12-4, he don't care. 
He don't care. He's going to roll up his sleeves and go out there and do his business against uh, the Patriots next week. Oh, that that should be pretty damn tense. You know what? I'm going to be sitting there right on the floor about an inch and a half away from the screen. Castaway Seafood Company knows seafood. They pride themselves on serving you the freshest seafood available, fresh fish that is never frozen, prepared just the way you love it, grilled, blackened, or broiled. Signature castaway dishes include sesame seared tuna, cracked conch, and unbelievable homemade chowder. Speaking of what, did I just say chowder a minute chowder. ago? Chowder. Incredible. Castaways also features grilled certified Angus beef, burgers, filet mignon, or huge juicy New York strip steaks. Castaways offers great daily lunch and early bird specials, and every Wednesday night is karaoke and ladies' night with free drinks for the ladies. How you doing with the ladies? Tonight, George and the QM prize band will be there from 6 to 8 p.m. Ladies invited. There'll be great food specials like all you can eat buffalo shrimp from 7.95. What is buffalo shrimp? It's uh, like buffalo chicken wings, but with shrimp. That kind of I sauce. See. I see. Zingy. Um, all you can eat buffalo wings from 7.95, and all domestic beers are only a buck and a half. Castaway Seafood Company. You'll find them on the southwest corner of University and Griffin Roads in Davie. If you're looking to cater your next home or office party, they do a stupendous job at Castaways of that. Castaway Seafood Company. Seafood so fresh it might bite you on the puss. Don't forget, see George and Miguel and Carlos and a bunch of other go in there from 6 to 8 p.m. tonight at Castaway Seafood Company. <laughs> Baby, come play with these titties. Do you know it's time to get F-15s flying? We're about to hit them with everything all at once. Fly in one of those honking B-52s. And Baghdad's going down, no doubt about it. I know that war gives you the creeps. But it's almost a necessity. It all keeps setting up. New blowing Iraqis up. Saddam we must destroy. Let's not postpone. They denied our chance to have inspectors glance and look around and see what's going on. They said, hey, no more, no more you can explore. And that's reason enough for us to act upon. I know that war gives you the creeps. But it's almost a necessity. It all keeps adding up to blowing Iraqis up. Saddam we must destroy Let's not postpone Twelve forty-six at 560 WQM American Idol Exposed This is in the Globe And man there's like uh, Three different stories And one here It's great For those of you Who wasted a lot of your time With that uh, piece of crap Kelly dumps, uh, dumps Justin Did you ever believe that In the first place? No I didn't know Or care or believe it Hey you better start caring man Boy he is scary looking You know Yeah he is from the chin down, he's pretty good, but for, uh, he sure plays a mean chin ball, I'll tell you that. American Idol heartthrob Justin Guarini is singing the blues because winner Kelly Clarkson has told him they'll never make sweet music together. The mop-topped runner-up on Fox's hit talent show flipped for Kelly in a big way, and she thought for a while he might be Mr. Right. But after they spent more time together, cute Kelly, who's still a virgin at age 20, <laughs> decided that Justin's not the one after all. Well, you know something? She keeps hanging out with him. She's going to be a virgin till she's 40. He made a big, big play for Kelly, but she doesn't believe in sex before marriage, says the show Insider. 
She doesn't believe. I wonder what they're having. I won't say it. She doesn't <laughs> believe that Justin would be faithful to her. So many girls are hitting on him that she knows he'll play the field, and she doesn't want her heart to be broken. As Globe recently revealed, church-going Kelly has vowed to stay celibate for another 10 years. Kelly has never had sex. Her best friend Jessica Huggins told us she wants to save herself from marriage, and she says she won't walk down the aisle till she's at least 30. That's why she can be. She spends a lot of time shopping for zucchini in the uh, supermarket uh, checkouts. It could be a summer about. squash. It could be a summer squash. Well, uh, yeah, no matter what shape. Remember that? <laughs> the millions of fans who watched American Idol's recent TV special would have been shocked and grossed out by the scandalous antics that went on during filming and never made it to screen. Everyone thinks the show and the people connected with it are as sweet as apple pies. As an insider, folks would be surprised as hell to find out what really happened. Surprised as hell. As heck. No, it says here, Hell in the Globe. Edited out of the September 23rd Fox special, American Idols in Las Vegas was the raunchy behavior of host Ryan Seacrest and Brian Dunkelman, and winner Kelly Clarkson's performance was a real embarrassment. She had to read the words to her hit tune a moment like this from a teleprompter. Kelly's song was written specifically for her, and yet she's already recorded it as a single. Yet she needed to read the lyrics from a video screen note to a member of the live audience. But the biggest shocks were delivered by Seacrest and Dunkelman, who repeatedly fired off crude sexual wisecracks and shamelessly flirted with young female spectators in front of an audience filled with children. Later at the cast bash after the filming of the special Idol, Nicky McKibben chain smoked cigarettes and downed cocktails while Dunkelman boasted that the real party is in my pants. <laughs> during, during, I knew that about Nicky. During taping, Dunkelman was a fountain of tasteless jokes, complaining about the heat he told the crowd he was sweating more than Michael Jackson at a daycare center. <laughs> I like that. That's, That's great. He was sweating more than Michael Jackson at the daycare center. <laughs> See, that's outstanding. Seacrest, who just inked a $1 million deal to continue his idol's host, was also crude at one point asking girls in the audience if his pants were unzipped. Then he joked that he and his co-host had spent their time in Vegas swilling rum drinks and going to the Pussy Clack Cub, a fictitious uh, strip joint. Ironically, Dunkelman was sent packing several days earlier when he was hosting the Vegas Comedy Festival at the Stardust Casino for supposedly looking tipsy. He was being obnoxious and belligerent, says an insider. Dunkelman was also especially rude at the idol taping when he pointed to two gals in the audience and suggested they double my pleasure. Well, maybe they were chewing uh, Wrigley's gum. This guy's a pip. I love that line, Michael Jackson at a daycare. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Mr. Nasty's confession. He says, I look gay. Mean mouth Simon Cowell is haunted by rumors that he's gay. And even though the American Idol judge is adamant that he's not, the rumors won't go away, sources be saying. The show's Mr. Nasty even brought up the gossip himself, saying, I watch myself on TV, and I do seem so gay. I really am straight, but I get asked that a lot. He seems gay, kind of like George Sounds on the air. Gay. What's more, his fellow judge, Paula Abdul, rubbed salt into the wound by jokingly telling a reporter, he's been fighting over my lace dress. The questions about 43-year-old Simon's sexuality began saying insider when his tart tongue turned off contestants on the original British version of the idol. Some of the disappointed wannabes attacked him, saying that he was so nasty no woman would ever put up with him, says one show insider. They called him names like Bitchy Queen and Acid Alice. The truth is that he's had long relationships with women, and some former lovers came forward with tell-alls about his wandering eye. But, say insiders on the U.S. show, the story still buzz around Simon because he sometimes acts camp, and when he does photo shoots... Idol execs have to bring in models to pose with him as girlfriends. Sometimes he's so camp you think you're watching Bruce V. Lanch on Hollywood Squares, says the uh, source. <laughs> How do you like that, huh? With a, with a better do, I'm sure. Live, live and local. We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. How would David? What's that crap they played down the hall? That's power! Power 96. What garbage. The kids today don't know what's good. Like that song, uh, I'm happy I live in a split-level head. You remember that? 
How can you listen? I'm happy I live in a split-level head. I'm happy I live in a split-level head. You don't remember that? No. No. Why am I surrounded by morons? Come on, Howie. Don't you call me Howie. I've got enough insubordination from you, pal. Hello. Calm down, will you? You shut up, fatso. Okay, that's it. You're all fired. You fat, stupid boob. You listen to me. You're fired. Tell me that goes for you, too. You know who I am? I'm the king of paradise. <laughs> I came down here after losing my job, Bubba, to be a big fish in a little pond. When they kicked me off ESPN, they told me don't come back again. I had some problems with wise guys who advised I move to paradise. Florida. Fire. That back deal ain't no Louis Nye. That guy was funny. You're all fired. And I hope that chick guzzler dies. I hope he dies. I hope you all die. I'm a big fish in a little pond, see? A big fish in a little pond. Is anybody listening to me? I'm a big fish in a little pond, a big fish in a little pond, a big fish in a little pond. Yeah! What is anybody enjoying me? Now, in all fairness, I noticed that uh, fat-faced Jim Sarney in the Sun Sentinel on Sunday made Acoustic a little bit of a shot in there, because I don't read his column ordinarily. But I heard Mad Dog make reference to it. A little bit of a shot that the morning guy, whatever that guy that's trading out the time on INZ in the morning, According to the latest trend that he continues uh, catching uh, Howard David in the morning. What, what does that mean? Carl Foster? Carl Foster. They still got like a one share. They didn't make any. In fact, they went down a tenth of a point in the last trend. So unless he's got uh, some monthly information here that we don't know about. I mean, you know, far be it for us to defend Mo, who is at this point just about indefensible. But nevertheless, come on, Jim Sarney, write something that makes sense for once in your life, okay? Jesus, what a contrast. You read the papers here in each in the star, the uh, sun. Even the Globe and Mail. Even the National Post, eh? They got guys that critique. I'm not talking about just radio and TV in general. I'm talking about sports radio every single day in the sports section. Sports radio and TV. And they actually say something. I mean, you know, sometimes they're complimentary. And if it's deserved, they rip somebody in the ass. Not down there. Everything has to be like uh, a little, you know, a little, uh, like a hint. And I didn't really hear correctly, did I? That Wednesdays every morning on our, our morning show, they got... Dan LaBastard, 7.30, like a regular feature? Yes. Oh, my God. Talk about a death wish. Dan LaBastard, holy crap. That's all I can say about that. Man, it's uh, our station must have a death wish. First it's the crow, and then it's Mo, and now we got Dan LaBastard on the ear. Just ask the humper what he thinks about that. He'll tell you about Dan LaBastard. The worst excuse. I, he makes Joe Zagacki sound like Walter Cronkite, okay, Dan LaBastard? Plus, plus it's not only the style, it's the substance, it's the crap that emanates from his puss. Unacceptable. Okay, how'd that pool come out today? Now, this is, uh, look at that. Look how interesting that is. Not, not quite as interesting as Ernie Sochin and his sock stories, but almost. 411 votes. We asked today, which of these do you think best defines who you are? Best. Your political beliefs, 94. Your physical appearance, 87. Your gender, 80. Your nationality, 63. Your sexual orientation, only 34. Only a little over 8% have got the right answer. Your race, 31. And last and certainly least, 
your religion with only 22. Only a little over 5% of this crowd think your religion really defines who you are, etc. Now, of course, if we had a big, a big bunch of born-again Christians, Farbis and Agoyim out there, that number would be much, much higher. Well, I'm a Christian, for crying out loud. That makes me, uh, you know, a uh, hypocrite. I mean, uh, so much better than everybody else. Makes you full of crap if it you want to lose. make us perfect, just You're forgive right. in. Uh-huh. <laughs> forgive this. One last plug now. We got that big enough pizza loft is open in Plantation right now as we speak. The second location. I bet you there's smoking in there, huh? Maybe if you go in, you talk nice, they'll let you smoke some with them. Right. That's Jeff. No, don't you think so? When you imagine that they're having... We want a report from Jeff Cohen tomorrow on opening day. You know, first day of a new restaurant, probably a couple of glitches here and there, but I bet you people are having a wonderful time there at the pizza loft. Knob Hill and Sunrise Plantation. Marcy, where's this new pizza loft? And she'll point right out the window there, the drive-through window. And then don't forget, Castaway Seafood tonight, 6 to 8 p.m. George will be there and Miguel and Carlos. Corner University and Griffin Road. And they got the, the QM Prize Band will be there, which nobody really cares about, but great food and drink specials as well. And like I said, they really, they're obsessed with you for whatever reason. Now you must have made quite an impact. Well, I love them. I think, I they're think what great. they discovered, didn't they come into the station while I was over in Amsterdam? Yes, they did, and they had a turnout. Based and on. I think, and I think what they discovered is that, boy, you can eat a free meal like almost nobody else. Bye, bye, bye! The Neil Rogers Show on 516 WQAM. I'm a homo? You know, they say the body is 90% water. As for WQAM, we are 100% purple parrot water. The official workday refreshment of Sports Radio 560 QAM.